I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. Uh, my comrade here, Tom Bionic, is not with me here for this intro segment, uh, but you will find him with us this week in our interview this week. Um, we have some special circumstances uh, this week. We have an interview that was scheduled with Keith Thompson, who was the writer and producer of the new documentary Aquarius, The Age of Evil. Uh, and uh, everything was scheduled for that, but the last minute he had an emergency come up. And so we have asked one of his key, key commentators in his documentary, Chris White of Nowhere to Run Radio, to actually come in and speak on the subject matter uh, of this particular documentary and to share a little bit with us. And also, we're doing it this week in the form of a simulcast along with his show at Nowhere to Run Radio. So the first half of the interview this week will be uh, Tom and I um, grilling him about uh, the content of this new documentary, and then the shoe will be on the other foot in the second half of the week, and he'll be interviewing us about some matters for his radio show. So no further ado, here is Chris White of Nowhere to Run Radio talking about the new documentary out, Aquarius, the Age of Evil, on the subject matter of additional findings of the true nature and menace from the New Age movement. And I'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake show. I'm Dr. Future. And I am Tom no stranger to the headset, Bionic. And people have no idea what you're talking about with that, Mr. Bionic. Well, that's okay. Okay, well, more mystery for Mr. Bionic. Uh, but it's going to be no mystery, uh, the great guest that we have uh, with us, even though it's via special circumstances. Uh, our plans for this week was to have an interview with Mr. Keith Thompson, who is the writer and producer of a documentary called Aquarius, the Age of Evil. Uh, to talk about additional findings of the true nature and menace from the New Age movement. Uh, and everything was lined up, but as fate would have it, uh, shortly before interview time, uh, he had an emergency, something came up, and couldn't be with us at interview time. And so what we did was we called the, the bat phone and set the bat signal up mm-hmm. and got a hold of a, a very trusty person who just happens to be one of the major uh, content contributors to the documentary. Uh, mm-hmm. You seem, see him... Uh, uh, on there prominently in the yep. documentary, and that's Mr. Chris White of the Nowhere to Run uh, radio show and numerous other ministries that he has underway. And, uh, Brother Chris, I just want to thank you so much for coming in at the last second and for your willingness to come on the Future Quake show. Hey, it's it's always been a pleasure to be on Future Quake uh, with you guys, and uh, it's just one of the best shows out there, and I'm just happy to be a part of it and looking forward to the interesting uh, uh, conversation we're going to have tonight. Well, you know, it's not only going to be that, and, and we've put you on the spot to comment on some of the content uh, related, particularly to the to New Age uh, that Mr. Thompson talks to. And I know there's some portions of which you can't address directly, and we'll try to focus on some things that uh, were more in your sphere to speak with on this. We want to recommend everybody uh, get Keith Thompson's documentary. If you go to KeithTruth.com, that's K-E-I-T-H Truth.com, uh, you can get a copy of it, and you can even take a little glimpse of it on YouTube and uh, find out uh, what we found so interesting about it. But something else very special that we did impromptu uh, that we came up with at the last minute is that we are making this a simulcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the first I think we've been involved in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Brother Chris's show, Nowhere to Run, is a very, very popular show. 
Uh, it has a large following. And what we're going to do is something unique in that this will be a show that will play uh, simultaneously over at Nowhere to Run as well as Future Quake. And so what we're going to do uh, about halfway through the show is turn over the keys mm-hmm. uh, over to Chris, uh, Chris White, and he's going to turn the tables on us Sweetness. and interview us. So I think this will be something very interesting for for our listeners to hear. Yeah, so, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Normally, they get tired of us well before the halfway point, but yeah. <laughs> if they can at least hang on till then, they can hear some quality interviewing skills. So uh, with no further ado, uh, I'd like for us to go on and get started. And uh, again, I just want to tell you thanks again. Before we get started, can you get, update us at all about your particular ministry and uh, anything that's going on there that we could be aware of or new projects you have underway, anything like that? Uh, sure. Well, uh, Nowhere to Run is the podcast that I do. There's also different um, uh, aspects of that, it's just mostly evangelism type things. And um, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about lately is uh, Catholicism and some of the doctrinal issues and trying to approach it in a really loving way to um, maybe point to some of the errors in it or uh, just to just to evangelize the Catholics in some way. So I'm trying to wrap my head around it and try to figure out how best to do that right now has been a, a lot of a lot of energy poured into that right now. But oh, okay, um, yeah, I'm sure that you're going to address them in the same effective way that you have uh, people in the New Age movement. It'll probably create a lot of stir. You'll get a lot of feedback. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with Brother Chris's ministries. Um, the, the, the level of the impact is just, it, it, you can't overestimate it. I mean, mm-hmm. you can take all of us in alternative Christian media, put us on one side of a seesaw, and you put the impact that Brother Chris has, and it, it goes the other direction, he's, he's, simply uh, on the number of people whose lives are touched and impacted. Bar none, he is my favorite evangelist, and probably one of the most effective. I put him, mm-hmm. put him right up there with people like Billy Graham and mm-hmm. other guys. Do you think we could maybe... Um, Get a statue of him we could put in downtown Nashville. <laughs> uh, it's hard to make Chris look evil, so yeah, I don't I, know if we could do that with that. Other I wonder is is laying it on thick a spiritual gift because <laughs> it might be in that list. They have it. <laughs> laying it on thick. I still I, I'm trying to think what we'd want to put with you. It'd be like a a laptop computer or something you'd hold in your arm yeah. in a statue, something it's like, like a that. Bible in one hand and like a right, Toshiba right. 505 in the other. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, seriously. Um, well, let me let me just ask you. I don't know if you might know this, but I know you have a number of sites on YouTube, for example, where your documentaries are on that you put together yourself very humbly. It's a it's a ministry you do really not for money in any stretch. It's for uh, just outreach to people. Do you, do you have any kind of rough estimate of how many hits you've had on your your you know videos there on YouTube? Uh, you know, I don't really have an estimate anymore because so many of them are being posted on different channels and things yeah. and different uh, sites by other people and stuff. So, um, you know, it's in it's several million. I'm, I'm not really sure how how much, yeah. and it's really hard to say that 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 means a certain amount of people because you know a lot of, a lot of times people see it multiple times or they're commenting on them. So it, it's really really hard to put a number on it, well, but I, it was definitely definitely several million. That's a low-end estimate, but the key thing... Yeah, like ridiculously low. The key thing is that people every day are finding the Lord, Jesus Christ, and coming to a saving faith in Him. Yeah. Um, he spends he, 9 o'clock to 1 o'clock every, every day just responding to emails of people who are like, you know, they close away. to the kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and that, all these that, a lot of those he's helping a lot right. of those people over the finish line. So right, that to really me I think is what it's all about. You know, all the all the stuff that we do and all the the radios and videos and everything that we do as far as content really comes down to 
uh, that I kind of look at as like the main thing, you mm-hmm. know, right. that's like the, what it's all about. And so usually, I mean, people joke about like me not answering my emails and stuff, and that's true for a lot of, you know, more, uh, mundane type things. But whenever it's something like that or anybody that need, it just has a question about the Bible or anything like that. And if anybody's listening now that has, you know, just maybe your list of problems that you have about the Bible or, or, or Jesus or really anything to do with anything, just uh, give me an email at, mm-hmm. uh, you can go to my website, nowhere to run radio.com and there's a contact thing there. But, okay. uh, yeah. well, a lot of our audience will be confused by the things that we say on our show and they'll need to be set They'll straight. Be so straight we can keep, we can keep you pe- busy deprogramming people who are future quake listeners, but, yeah. but we don't mean it. But, uh, <laughs> we thank you so much for you being on here and, and I'm glad you told them where to get that. They, in, in your shows, what, roughly weekly update? Yeah, something like that. Weekly's weekly's what it's trying to be anyway. Okay. Well, if you need extra Chris White fix, just go over to YouTube and go hunt around in his name, yep. and uh, you'll find plenty of material in between nowhere to run shows mm-hmm. uh, to catch some of the, the work. Many, many, many debunkumentaries. <laughs> and one thing uh, before we get started, I think that the one of the things that I've been having the most fun with lately is what uh, uh, me and brother Tom Bionic have been doing, the verse by verse Bible teaching dot com, mm-hmm. and 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 doing the uh, that that show has been a great show. People uh, send a lot of email about that show, and and so it's one of my favorite things to do is mm-hmm. to pour over the commentaries and stuff, and to study the Bible with uh, with old Tom there. What 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 part of the Bible are you going through right now? Galatians five. Galatians, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Galatians 5. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. Well, um, I think we're ready to get started, if you don't mind. And I, I want to talk about this documentary again, where you play a prominent role. Uh, you, you are an advisor. I, I, I don't mean to imply that you're a producer or anything like that as far as editing or content. But um, Brother Keith actually uh, ha- has you frequently as a, as a person that's contributing uh, content. Is, is uh, I don't know what you call it, a star, special star or something. Um, but... From your understanding of, of him, I, I think you've had some contact with him. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about your understanding of what his goals were? Can you share with us at all about what you know, uh, what he wanted to add to our knowledge base in the body of Christ about the New Age movement beyond some of the people who've come before him, like Constance Cumby and, and many of Dave Hunt and others who've written on it? Uh, what, what do you, are you aware of that he wanted to really fulfill as a missing hole there? Well, the the documentary is called Aquarius Age of Evil, and in a lot of ways it's taking a lot of the information that we know about the New Age or the, the affiliated type ideas and bringing them kind of under one roof, and I think he does a really good job of finding the uh, actual quotes and the, and the hard data about what it is, the significance of this future age that they're waiting for and what they think is going to happen and how that's relevant, um, well, to Bible prophecy primarily. So, uh, and I think it, it really, he really does a great job of showing that um, across the board there is a belief that the new age, uh, the dawning of the age of Aquarius or, or however it's termed, because it's termed a lot of different ways, um, is is anticipating it, uh, not just an avatar, a, a, a person coming back to teach them and to start a world government and a world religion, but um, you know also the abolishing of Christianity. And uh, although that's not, except for a few cases, mentioned in outright you know terms, uh, I'll read one quote real quick from Blavatsky. Um, 
she's going on says something about robust faith faith then she says uh, she may go on saying that the coming of the uh, Christ is is near at hand and prepare themselves for the end of the world, quote-unquote. Quote. Theosophists, at any rate, some of them who understand the hidden meaning of the universally expected avatars, messiahs, socioses, Christ, um, know that it is no end of the world, but the consummation of the age, i.e. close to the cycle, which is now fast approaching. Really quickly, it's, it goes on and says, there are several remarkable cycles that come to a close at the end of this century. First, the 5,000 years of the, I don't know, something cycle. Again, the Messianic cycle of the uh, Samaritan, also the Kab- Kabbalistic, the Jews of the, or the man connected with Pisces, uh, Itchius or the fish man. Now, she says, uh, it is a cycle historic, but not very long, but very occult, lasting uh, 2,155 solar years. Now, this is, I'm going to quickly go a little off topic to explain that um, this is a really important part of not just the new, I mean, the term the new age really is referring to that. It's referring to Aquarius. That uh, And, and Blavatsky in, in so many ways is considered the, the starter of the new age. And this kind of idea about, um, this is the important part that you really have to understand about what they believe is that... Um, that the 2,000 plus years or whatever, and keep in mind, this is extremely, um, it, it, it's not exactly, as she puts here, 2,155 years. It's extremely subjective. There's really no one mm-hmm. way, nobody would ever, in, in actual astro, astronomical terms, say that the end of uh, Aquarius is on such and such a year or whatever. It's just not there. But nevertheless, the idea is that the age of Christ is about to end. That's really where it all, what all comes down to. And that, and so much is built off of that. Oh yes, we had, and they, and they talk about how it's all symbolism, just you know about the about the stars and stuff like that. And if you really dig into that, you'll see that it, that it's all built on very well said, very well researched lies. And Blavatsky was the best at it, and so that's why, in a lot of ways, her her writings are sort of the 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 foundation for a lot of this stuff. But anyway, so that's basically it. They believe at the end of this age, this age of Christ, if you will, this two thousand years, that age will end. And another avatar will come back, and he will start. You know, of course, this one's going to be way better, and the new age is going to be all is going to be all on board with this one. So, that's kind of kind of it, and what and what Keith was trying to do with the with the film. Mm-hmm. And and these are messages that come supposedly, according to their testimony, from unearthly beings who have spread this information. So, they're getting it from the spirit realm under the presumption that they think that the, one these entities are telling them a true story, and secondly under our presumption that they're telling us what they told them in the whole story. Um, but this same kind of message is very similar even to some some other related activities like Aleister Crowley. Uh, you know, had similar messages he had transmitted about the end of the Age of Osiris, the beginning of the Age of Horus, coming at the same time. But basically what they're saying is they're on a dawn of a major turn of events where what we knew of as, as the, the Christian world is coming to an end and something new is happening and everyone's got decisions to make. Right. Okay. Exactly. Well, uh, he talks in his documentary a little bit about some of the, the political connotations of some of the early leaders. Uh, from Blavatsky, you had a number of other leaders, actually even a couple women, further women that came out, uh, Annie Besant, Alice Bailey, and others. In, in some of their writings, do they comment a little bit on political implications of this 
of this movement, uh, how they think society should respond in its social structure to get in line with it, and where, where do their sympathies lie? Sure. Well, um, well, Annie Besant, who was a disciple of uh, Blavatsky, now Blavatsky would say uh, that it that it didn't have uh, uh, implications politically, although it started to emerge. But 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 sort of people that were um, you know true believers in in uh, Blavatsky would say that it was sort of corrupted a little bit later because of this sort of idea of people like Besant who. Uh, who, who, she was a socialist and there, and you see that mentality in their writings and you certainly see that, uh, that is obviously a part of the end times deception. Well, I mean, a one world government and a one world religion is probably going to have, you know, socialist leaning. So the thing that I would say, and I would really to, like to hear your opinion on this, uh, but I would, uh, but close with this part of what I would say with, that Keith was also tying this socialist sort of idea that is found in theosophy as like core tenets, but not necessarily, um, not necessarily, you know, word for word like that. But, um, but it, he also went on to show that in things like the Zeitgeist movement, which is something he he, he had a big section about that, which is uh, part of a, a a movie that had come out that really captured a lot of people's attention, and then the the second part, so called addendum to that. Um, really started pushing a one-world sort of socialist, uh, utopian-type community that was, you know, reminiscent of a lot of the the uh, old socialist propaganda about the utopian uh, lives that people would have. But I would like to hear, um, since this is sort of a simulcast, maybe you can go on a little bit too mm-hmm. about about the socialist implications of, of in, in in the occult world. And well, she uh, he, he he provides a lot of. Uh, uh, comments and quotations from these people about their sympathies for communism, for socialism. Uh, they would often debate on, on even political uh, issues on behalf of the socialists, for example, uh, people from these group. And what I would what I would guess is what what motivates that is that I understand their movement. What comprises the new age is that it really is sort of a collectivist. Uh, metaphysical viewpoint as opposed to an individualistic uh, which is one thing that really differs it from Christianity they believe that as we ascend on this path if we gain higher consciousness we have we come to a collective consciousness where we, we become one with the universe and I believe that's called monism or something akin to that uh, so, so they see everything as, as going collectively that way and I, and I also believe that that Darwinism had a real impact on this movement, which really came on the heels of Darwinism, of this idea of evolution, of actually going from one step to another, not only in physiology, but they take it in the step of spiritualism. And so part of the theory of evolution is survival of the fittest. Uh, those who do not make the next step in evolution get left behind and, and die off. And uh, some of their writings are very explicit that those who don't make that kind of step are going to have to be cast or thrust off. And so they look at the collective interest of humanity as a whole, universe as a whole, and they would naturally migrate into their politics where they wouldn't want to be held by held back by cast-offs that, for, for example, had physical infirmities or something that had a lot of needs hmm. required of the person by the state. And so that these beliefs go together, this idea that... Uh, um, 
you, you've got to look at what's best for the collective as you merge together. Now, if you look at Christianity, Christianity is much more of an individualistic uh, worldview and cosmology because it believes that God is a separate, unique personality. He's not just uh, this amorphous thing that, that's throughout the universe, although he certainly can reach anywhere in the universe, but he also is a discrete personality uh, who can be at a particular place at a particular time and has a lot of uh, features that, although he's much more vast than us, we can associate with. And in fact, we are created in his image, and each of us are individuals. Uh, there's no teaching in, in, in the Bible, although we, we are to obtain uh, a nature like Christ and to put on a Christ-like demeanor and action who we are. But there's no promises for obtaining godhood, uh, but being adopted as we are as human beings into God's family. But we maintain our individuality. That's never taken from us, even eternally. Uh, we may live in harmony, but we live in harmony as separate individuals. So uh, I, I think that's why you see a lot of the uh, more democratic or republic kind of movements in the Western world are based upon the Christian influence of individuality and looking out for uh, you know the, the, the lesser known, make sure that even minorities' rights are taken care of and things, whereas there's really no such motive for that, I think, in the New Age construct. Wow, very intelligent. Yeah, very good. So that's, that's, that's basically how I would see it. Um, Freemasonry is something that was brought up in this documentary in some quotations, and uh, it was either Alice Bailey, I could, it could have been Annie Bassan, I, I may be confused on this, but they, they say that there is a particular role for Freemasonry in society to serve the greater needs of the New Age movement. Can, can you share with us a little bit about what you know about that? Sure. They. I'll read a qu- quote really quick, and I'm not exactly sure. I think this is Bassan, but I could be wrong. It says, uh, it must not be forgotten that only those souls who are on the prohibition... Uh, this is actually... Let me make sure here. This is not the right quote. Let me scroll down. Um, Freemasonry... When viewed, uh, here's one quote, uh, Freemasonry viewed doctrinally is theosophy. But that is uh, not what I wanted to read. Goodness. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you what it says, uh, even though I can't find it. Mm-hmm. It's basically, they, Besant became, what was started what she called co-Freemasonry, which is um, what, what became known as occult Freemasonry. It's not necessarily... Um, it's not necessarily recognized by regular Freemasonry, although it basically is the only real difference, and the reason they probably don't accept it is because co-Freemasonry was accepting women, and that's mm-hmm. essentially what, what, the, what the deal was there. For all intents and purposes, it's the same teachings, except uh, as uh, they brought in a lot more of the occult ideas. And she... They went around establishing lodges, and they're still very prominent today and everything. The way that they viewed Freemasonry was it, it is not necessarily to, you know, wasn't to infiltrate it into, you know, all these types of things. It was just that they saw it as a, a great way uh, and that had preserved a lot of the uh, occult teachings and that they could get somebody to learn uh, the occult ways in a sort of systematic fashion that wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily... Uh, do it um, if they weren't sort of on this ladder type system. And I think that ultimately Freemasonry is, that's that's the way I see it anyway, I guess, is that it, it's kind of like getting people from point A to point B and, that, and point B being a place where they would uh, willingly give their free will to uh, to Satan, to Lucifer at the highest levels 
but there's a lot of road in between there, and you can't get a person in the Blue Lodge, for the most part, just to out and out say that. But I think mm-hmm. that as Manly P. Hall and those quotes that he has about, you know, the when a Mason realizes the nature of his craft, the seething energies of Lucifer writhing in his hands or something like that. And, and, and they just can't get somebody to do that. So they have this weeding out process. It's, it's twofold. It's like weeding out those that won't do the things and, and you end up with people that, you know, are, are, uh, would, you know, not, not only would do them, but, um, that are enjoying doing them. I'm not saying that the, the, that it's extremely, a lot of the ritual stuff are, are bad. Um, but anyway, a, another huge aspect of that, once that they deal with the people that have moved up that, that ladder, is then that they can be used to turn the gears of the system in the world. A lot of the corporations and the, you know, heads of, you know, school systems or, you know, name it, uh, government issue, government agencies and things like that. And I'm not saying the world is run by Freemasons or anything because it's, it's, it's bigger than that. Oh, um, <laughs> the, the, I mean, it, it certainly is a huge part of it. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it really is. Uh, but that's why. And I think it's best illustrated with people like Blavatsky or, uh, Alice Bailey or specifically Blavatsky, Manly P. Hall and, um, there's a third, oh, uh, Alistair Crowley or Crowley. Hmm. He, he, all three of those people were not through the initiation processes. They didn't go to, uh, you know, to step, you know, one, step two, step three. They were given honorary degrees of 33rd degree Freemasons. In, in the case of, uh, Blavatsky, I don't think that she was actually given the honorary degree, but she was given several on, honorary degrees by 33rd degree Freemasons. And the issue is that all three of those people are open Satanists. And I believe that the, the reason is, is because they realized the nature of uh, Freemasonry with, and they knew the secret of Freemasonry, which was that the unadulterated worship of Lucifer is where their power is coming from. Uh, it's sort of veiled in, in all kinds of different ritual and things like that. Up in, and I think a good example of that is when I believe that, that famous double-headed eagle with the upside-down triangle, the 33 and the light rays coming out of it, mm-hmm. uh, and that uh, I, I believe this, the if you really look at that, I, I think it, I've been wanting to talk about this and do a video about it or something, but I think it's a symbol of um, the satanic trinity and the double-headed eagle is a false prophet antichrist, the phoenix that's rising out of the order out of chaos uh, and this new world order that's created. And the thir- upside-down 33rd-degree triangle is Satan, which you can see is giving the crown, the authority to the false prophet antichrist uh, beast. And I think, or, you know, or it's not, or it's a phoenix, but, but, I, I, either whether the interpretation is correct or not, I think that um, Albert Pike was the one who who constructed that particular one. But um, but whether or not that's right, it, it illustrates my point, which is that uh, it gets people into Satanism. And once people's wills are given over to Satan, regardless of they're in the Freemasons or they're just some some Joe on the street, Satan will use them to do what he wants to do. And what he wants to do is to build this system that he will one day. Uh, uh, you know, step into and, and rule uh, the world and force them to worship him. Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. Uh, as I mentioned before, I'm standing in here solo in our uh, concluding segment here. Uh, that was our first uh, segment of our interview with Chris White of Nowhere to Run Radio about the new documentary from Keith Thompson called Aquarius, the Age of Evil. Uh, we'll be having another segment tomorrow, but here's Merv to tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. 
email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. Uh, Tom Bionic uh, is not with us for this segment right now. But uh, he'll be joining us in our interview uh, talking about the uh, the new documentary from Keith Thompson called Aquarius, the Age of Evil. Uh, Keith could not join us at the last minute, uh, but we're having uh, stand-in Chris White of Nowhere to Run Radio, uh, who's in the documentary, to actually talk about its topic of additional findings on the true nature and menace from the New Age movement. We pick up where our interview last left off, and you'll hear me responding to the role of Freemasonry in the support of the New Age movement. And then we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. The only thing I might add from the from the documentary uh, is that uh, they make very clearly that Freemasonry serves two purposes from their quotes. One is the preservation of hidden knowledge, and they're basically a distribution arm of the New Age movement. It's almost like if you inherit um, a bunch of Avon ladies to carry your product, okay? <laughs> They're all distributed Basically, around the country. I don't, don't mean to pick on Avon, <laughs> but just as an example. Uh, they already have a distributed network of people that can reach everywhere. And when you've got a group like Freemasonry and, and they are sending through information that supports your claims, you have a network that is in every community raising up people. And they're also distilling out those uh, which can be trusted with secrets, who have a thirst for hidden knowledge, and they can actually be a wonderful recruiting tool for those that can step further. Now, um, they mentioned the documentary Freemasonry, but I would add that uh, certain martial arts serve that function. Hmm. Um, things like the environmental movement, Definitely. other kind of things that look I- innocuous. Well, even even uh, the youngest Rothschild, you can see him regularly wearing a skull and bones uh, uh, belt buckle. You can also see him regularly giving Freemason handshakes out to people. Right. He he pulled up on the dock uh, from Plastics One or whatever that that boat he made out of plastic garbage. Yeah. The yeah. first thing he did is he reaches out to shake this other guy's hand, and they yeah. give him that little, you yeah. know, with the thumb up yeah. thing. It's like, gosh, I can't. <laughs> Rothschild's a mason. And, and you know something else that uh, you know the lower lodge that you master mason below always may not know this, but within the occult community, from the readings that I have read, I've I've got one book that's a the, it's a, a well-known book on the history of hermetic occult traditions in the West. And for all the different manifestations of it, whether you're talking about tarot cards, uh, Rosicrucianism, all these different hermetic disciplines, they consider the kings to be Freemasonry. And that Freemasonry most accurately kept the hidden knowledge of what we would consider the occult more than any other group. So to, to me, that is a, an opinion I take seriously when the occultists themselves say that Freemasonry sure. is the is the granddaddy that really kept the
the real truth in there that they basically all spring off from. And, and, and to follow your point, uh, Brother Chris, that you made, is that all these guys want to get their ticket punched by getting those degrees in Freemasonry. And almost it's like they're, they're getting their blessing that they're legit occult leaders when they get that. Uh, they may not seek it, but it's certainly a feather in their cap when they do. Right. And I would suggest that a lot of them uh, would not have any idea about any of this. You're talking about the lower, the lower level participants. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, there, there's an interesting character mentioned, a spiritual character in this documentary by the name of uh, Sanat Kumara. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Kazumtai. Yeah. Sanat Kumara. Who is this character and what role and purpose do New Agers say this person has and, and what are their other direct comments about Satan in particular? Well, sure. It's a, it's a, I believe, an anagram for Satan. Um, and it's supposed to be the leader of the masters. And it's really kind of a slippery thing there because, um, I believe the Ascended Masters thing is is really a theosophy kind of thing. Uh, I think they use that with a lot of different people that are independently seeking things or whatever. And so it's just another mask. But uh, they but the interesting part about it is those that see him uh, as Satan or uh, that 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 believe that a lot of times they they will be okay with that. And that comes from the the very Luciferian. Um, new age and I think that there is a quote in the in Keith's film from Bill Cooper who talks about how um, he talks about how all of them are sort of unified by their belief about Lucifer in the garden and that it was a good thing that his knowledge that he gave us that that evil and vindictive God didn't want us to have knowledge and so along came Prometheus or, you know, whatever you want to look at it, that, that's as it, as it progressed out through the ages, that gave us this light, the light bearer that showed us knowledge. And really that sort of Gnostic idea of hidden knowledge being the, the way to enlightenment and all these things is, is in so many different packages. And as, and as we know from, from, you know, just our studies in, in the occult, that spirits are quite willing to appear as anything, whether it be ascended masters or aliens or uh, your dead relatives or anything that they think that will get you to look further into the occult because it opens doors for them. So, uh, so yeah, that's the the Lucifer. There are so many quotes about from Blavatsky, particularly about um, about Satan being the true God, and that uh, Jehovah is, or as she says, is um, you know a you know just puts him down and, and all these different things. It's kind of like, um, well, I wish I, I wish I had a lot of those quotes, but it's pretty blatant. The, the view that, uh, Lucifer is the true God and they sort of have a reversal roles there, which is not uncommon. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. And, and the key, yeah, the, the, the key for our listeners to know, and, and they can go watch this in the documentary and they go do their own, their own homework is that th- there's no mystery here. There's no sleight of hand or, um, uh, extrapolation, uh, of saying, well, they're talking about somebody that sounds like Satan, so maybe it is. They explicitly say that they support Satan, that he is a tragic figure that was really the... And then Lucifer, the whole Lucifer idea is tied into it of being the light bearer that was the sympathetic supporter of mankind. There's that YouTube uh, I recommend everybody go check out where uh, a gentleman is interviewing a 
uh, a high-level Freemason on the street. He stops him, and they're kind of going back and forth. And uh, the Mason guy ends up just sort of blurting out. He said, well, I am indwelled by Lucifer, and he is perfect mm-hmm. and loving and light and goodness, and just goes on and on and on. And the guy with the video camera says, wait a minute, you just said you're indwelled by Lucifer? He said, yeah, and he starts going on and on and on and on about it. And uh, they they go back and forth with, uh, uh, you know, doctrinal things mm-hmm. and it becomes apparent that they're clearly not on the same page and the guy leaves so and, and freemasonry in fact uh says explicitly in that too sure. albert pike one yeah. of their their really uh uh beatified uh, philosophers mm-hmm. says that it's clearly that the follower of lucifer mm-hmm. uh, son of the morning sure. is who their their follower is so uh this is something that's not obscure they make it very clear up front um of course, when you meet your average New Ager on the street, they're not going to bring that subject no, up. No. Uh, you're going to have to dig in books to find out that kind of thing. They're going to talk about being a light worker. Uh, talking you need about to go back to the readings peace, of Albert Pike. and Peace and people, tolerance yeah. of all people is, right. is the real the, key. That's the important part to realize is that the New Age um, is a very broad thing, and most people have pieces of the New Age in their belief system, but their belief systems are all over the board. And if they're online right now, if they're seeking truth, if they've been had their paradigm shattered because of 9/11 or some other right. issue like that, they're out there trying to figure out what is true, and that's actually where I believe Satan wants them because he has so many traps and pitfalls and misdirection and false uh, false stuff out there. It's just such a dirty pool out there, and that uh, so that's quite he's quite willing because the percentages are so high of the people that get little parts of New Age and their new paradigm and they might not believe that satan they right. might hate satan but they but they you know like talking to the spirits or you know whatever right. satan satan's quite willing to to let him have whatever he can get or get take you know what i'm saying right and i and i agree with you and i know where you're coming from on that there may be listeners here who uh, have an interest in the new age they like this idea of peace and tolerance that's a part of it uh, and non-judgmental, no judgment of sin, these kind of things. Uh, and they they may hear here and there, but have not really dug into some of the original leaders of the movement, like Blavatsky or Alice Bailey or others. Um, but they need to confront that, just like we all need to. We all need mm-hmm. to confront things in in our pursuit of spiritual There's truth. There's tons of things I don't like, but, yeah, but they're true. But I mean, you've had to confront things like in your car. in your own search, it's right, true. Tom? I mean, you've had oh, to. Sure deal with things, and, and it's true for all of us and our listeners, be, because we care for them enough, that if this is something that you've been interested in but haven't heard the old story, we, as a friend, we'd want to pass this information on so you know the whole story about, mm-hmm. what, you're, about what you're dealing with. Um, Benjamin Krim uh, is, is someone who uh, is, is talked about a good bit in this documentary. Uh, he's well known. Uh, he's a self-proclaimed herald of this Lord Maitreya, who uh, the Maitreya concept is talked about in the the main New Age circles as the ultimate world teacher that will be the uh, the real McCoy. They consider Jesus and other Confucius and uh, Buddha is just avatars, but he's the big guy who's coming to straighten everything out. And, and Benjamin Krim says he's imminent, but he's been saying this for some time. Yeah. Um, there are some some claims about a story that he made about how he really got into this. This whole movement that became a herald. What what do you think about? Can you share this a little bit about what what he says happened, and what do you think about that story and Benjamin Krim in general? 
Um, well, yeah, the story is, um, and I'm probably getting some of the details wrong, but he, he basically started hearing um, uh, promptings, hearing voices. They directed him. I think that he they he was asked if he wanted to participate in something to that he had been chosen to be sort of a John the Baptist type um, thing for this world teacher. And now he was a very big student of Blavatsky's writings and Alice Bailey. You can read. Very clearly, he's a big, big fan of Alice Bailey, Alice, uh, Annie Besant, theosophy in general, although he himself was not a theosophist and they do not claim him, as far as I know. Um, the, he obviously knew about the, their prophesied world teacher, so this, uh, this incident where, was he agreed that he would be the John the Baptist for this world teacher, he was directed to a meeting, uh, in, under a bridge at night and two individuals in this car, um, Eventually, I think that how it was, they started imparting information to him, and uh, then he was kind of overshadowed, is the way he refers to it, by Maitreya, who then gave him dictation and these types of things, and it went on from there. He would then claim to be in pretty regular contact with Maitreya. The stories are, you know, has many, many different stories, but the main MO of Krim has been to make extremely big claims in the media. Uh, it started with his taking out full-page newspaper ads saying, the Christ is now here, and this was back, I think, in the 70s. And uh, he's been doing this, you know, create, creating these huge events and then not coming through with them and then sort of regrouping, explaining away, and, 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 and all these other things. Even very recently, um, last year, there was a lot of he put out a lot of video ads and TV ads and radio ads saying the same thing that the, that the Christ is now here. Look for a star in the east, and and he's about to do radio and television interviews. And for you know, for the record, he is claiming now that he has already done several TV and radio interviews and things mm-hmm. like this, but he doesn't give any details about when they are. It's it's interesting. I explain all that in a video that I did called um, Straight Talk about Matreya. Could it and, be Billy Mays? The infomercial uh, guy? Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to but, channel him now. Oh my gosh. But the but that's that's kind of his thing. And I think that um in I would I would disagree a little bit with a lot of the feeling out there that Maitreya is the imminent antichrist or even the false prophet or or anything mm-hmm. like that because I don't think A that he fits the 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 bill prophetically right. and uh B I think that the Antichrist would be a lot more, um, well, a lot more um, accepted. I mean, right mm-hmm. now, even George Nori of Coast to Coast AM, who is not really sympathetic to right. you know Christian causes, you know, thinks when he talked to Krim, says, "Oh yeah, well, that would be the Antichrist." I mean, that's not how the Antichrist is going to come on the scene, where everybody's like, "Oh, that's the Antichrist." I mean, so yeah. Right. Although it's sort of ironic, uh, one of the one of the mentions in the documentary touches home back here to Nashville because he mentions a a visit and appearance by Benjamin Krim on our local talk radio station WLAC, uh, where he actually talked about I guess it was in 1982 about Lucifer and how Lucifer was misunderstood by Christians and they misunderstood that he actually was a good guy that was working in their best interest. So. Yes, uh, and I think that this that that's a really interesting point about why Benjamin Krim is doing this. People ask because you know maybe because I uh, you know came out pretty strongly against the idea that he w- that he was the Antichrist. Um, I think the motive behind it, from the satanic point of view, is is two. First of all, he's just going around preaching Luciferianism. 
and he is doing that, and he's crossing the big, and people are giving them all this press and stuff like that, and everywhere he goes, even those that are devoted to him, well, they're devoted to him, I mean, well, you know, for lots of different reasons, but um, the, and the second thing that he's doing is he's preaching what I'll call, uh, or what Alice Bailey called, the externalization of the hierarchy. Um, it, it's many things, it takes many forms, it's in your local bookstore, it's in every movie that you see, it's uh, it's everything. It's preparing the, the mindset of the world for the Antichrist. And one of the ways that it manifests um, most prominently, I feel, is in the telling the world that there is a coming teacher that will be both, you know, that will be Buddha and Krishna and all these other great avatars of other ages that would, that the... Remember how we were talking at the beginning about how the the age of Christ is ending, but but the Christ consciousness is a very uh, you, you know important phrase that's used in the New Age movement. The Christ consci- consciousness is actually the same thing as Buddha. It's the same thing as Krishna. All those are wrapped up in Christ when he came to earth, and that when another one comes, it will be Jesus too. It will be Jesus and Krishna and Buddha and on and on and on. And so that's the concept, I think, that needs to be uh, fed to people, because um, it, it may it may end up being why it says the Antichrist will actually not claim to be uh, Christ. I think the false prophet may claim to be Christ, but I, I think that the, the Antichrist, it says he will claim to be higher than everything that is God or everything right. that is called God. And I think that that may be part of, of that, but I'm not mm-hmm. quite sure. Um, but at any rate, I think that the important thing to remember here is that uh, Krim probably is talk, be, talking to entities from my perspective. I think that he is being told to go do this kind of thing, and I think that he's being deceived, much like uh, many people before him that were listening to the spirits in their head telling them to do stuff because they don't mind hanging them out to dry, because all they're really using them for is to spread the message. Here's a quick um, here's a quick uh, t- statement about the externalization of the hierarchy from Alice Bailey. It's a really quick one. It says, um, she's talking about Freemasonry, this particular thing. She says, uh, it, uh, is to play the coming establishment of the New World Order and its great one, the Antichrist, as we would see it. Uh, there is no question, therefore, that the work to be done in familiarizing the general public with the nature of the mysteries is of paramount importance at this time. These mysteries will be restored to outer expression through the medium of the church and the Masonic fraternity. When the Great One comes with his disciples and initiates, we shall have the restoration of the mysteries and their esoteric presentation as a consequence of the first initiation. And one thing I want to add to that is that it says the Masonic fraternities now. Well, she goes on, and I think that the important thing to realize here is that the idea is to initiate people without having them set foot in a lodge. And so what you see in what I call the truth movement, a lot of the people out there that are seeking truth but being led into a great deal of uh, untruth, are they're, they're being shaped into people that believe what is in the lodges. But they never, they don't consider themselves. I mean, I think you could, if you just sat down and were diligently listening, listening to um, the History Channel and uh, what's that PBS radio or whatever or whatever. P- what am I thinking of? Uh, PRI. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're listening to that stuff every day, you're going to be having this Luciferian mindset over time. It's just, it's just subtle and it's in everything. Okay. Yeah. Well. Um, it was one thing he mentions in this documentary, and I don't know if you know anything about this. And I hadn't heard about this in the news, um, 
But supposedly there was an announcement of some appearance of Maitreya in Karbala, Iraq, in 2008. Right. And there well, was that, an association with the Imam Mahdi or something like this? Yeah, that one is uh, kind of a videotaped um, uh, thing where you kind of see like this light dancer dance around with what appears to be like a sword. The thing about this, and, and again, I'm taking sort of a different view than Keith on this stuff, and uh, is that Krim takes everything and claims it is a miracle for Maitreya. He says the falling of the Berlin Wall was Maitreya. He says yeah. the ending of the Cold World War was Maitreya. He says every Marian apparition is, is Maitreya. He right. says, you know, every time a statue bleeds or whatever, it's Maitreya, mm-hmm. it's Maitreya, Maitreya. He just uses everybody else's stuff. And in fact, the one thing that I think is valid that we're, or has. You're saying, you're saying Benjamin Krim says that. Yes, Benjamin yeah. Krim says that Maitreya does all this. He doesn't like produce these miracles right. or whatever. He finds right. people that like he finds cool things on the internet, like the the spiral in the sky, mm-hmm. you know, right? That Norway spiral. And he that has, was uh, Maitreya. Yeah, Maitreya he, was was out was having some featured, fun. Yeah, he he features whatever's going on in the news and say, "Yep, Maitreya," and that's and so I I, I put out a lot of the I put away a lot of these you know so called uh, you know appearances of Maitreya, but there is one the Nairobi event. Uh, which was where he was said to show up in the midst of like this prayer meeting of this this woman named Mary At- Atatska and uh, in Nairobi, and I did did a little and to me that was important because if that's true, that's actually for real. You know, this guy showed up. They got pictures of the right, guy, right, and it was it was covered by uh, the uh, the uh, Swahili version of the Kenyan Times by a guy named uh, Job Matungi, I think was his name. And so I'm like, okay, well, this is for real. You know, here's a newspaper story. This guy showed up and, and all these things. And I looked into that, and I found an article uh, from uh, the Afro Times. It was, it's a, like a, a you know African-American publication from around that same time. And they, were, they had brought out this information that, um, that the, there was a British tabloid called to that newspaper – uh, to uh, in, to do a, a a subscription drive, and they and so essentially there was a, a motive, I guess you could say, with it with that whole same thing. And I would submit there was also a connection be, between Britain, uh, you know, and uh, Krim himself, who was British and knew obviously knew at that very same time he was doing all the Maitreya mm-hmm. stuff. But nevertheless, if you read the account, it's really interesting because you know the guy supposedly miraculously miraculously shows up. But then he like leaves in a car, and then the guy who drove him like came back and mm-hmm. said, "Hey, I took him to the bus stop, and he totally disappeared." Right. And everybody's like, "Oh my gosh!" After the bus stop, we'll right. have to trust this guy that he disappeared. Right. So it's it was so easily <laughs> faked, and it, 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 it especially with the implication. Yeah. And and actually, it, what's interesting is Fritz Springmeier, uh, before any of this stuff broke, actually has a really cryptic thing in, in a timeline that he wrote. This that that three years before this event, uh, there was a planned event with British tabloids to uh, to fake the the appearance of Maitreya, and uh, then three years later, that the Nairobi event happened. So wow. There, there, that, and I also bring that out in the Straight Talk of Maitreya video. So I think that the one thing that Maitreya has going for him, the, the Nairobi yeah. event, or is is totally, totally bunk. This could fall under the lying signs and wonders uh, category. I think I think it just falls into British tabloid. Into flim flam <laughs> category. Could be. Yeah. Hey, we've got about two and a half minutes left uh, in our discussion on this topic, and there's one I want you just to comment briefly on. Um, uh, 
the documentary talks about what kind of end game they have in mind. The, these new age light workers, these gentle light workers, about people like Christians, for example, who are not going to get in line with the direction of the new age. What, what do they say and what do their ascended masters say will be the destiny of those who provide resistance to going along with this movement? Well, it'll be in the context of evolution and those that are not ready or can't uh, evolve. And I think you have to realize that sometimes we think, well, when I've heard about this before, I've heard, okay, we're supposed to spiritually, uh, you know, be evolved. Well, how do I do that? And, and I think it just, it's a lot of ambiguity there. But I think the important thing to realize is that I think that the work of like Guy Malone and Joe Jordan that have done a lot of work with, you know, the false alien and alien stuff that's out there, uh, and the impl- in implicating it with demonic activity, et cetera. I think that if there was a false alien sort of paradigm put in front of people, it would be easy to believe in a physical and spiritual evolution that was potent, that was potentially available. And that would en- engross the world in understanding. It's like, it, and this is how if aliens said, Hey, w- look at us. We are, we created mm-hmm. you. We are your gods and, and we genetically modified you. So and so from apes, blah, 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 whatever they say. Right. Um, and you, and we are much more spiritually evolved than you and mentally evolved. Look here, look at our spaceships. This proves how, how mm-hmm. awesome you can be. But then they say, but there's some among you who won't go along with this. And of course, people like you and me would be like, you guys are demons. I know this is demons. And they're going right. to, and they're going to have the perfect out. Tom too. I think Tom would say that yes. too. Tom would be, Tom wouldn't be saying anything. He'd be driving out in the middle of them, casting them out of people. You're not, you would be just getting on board the spaceship. I would be getting on board the spaceship to cast them out. Okay. But what's Good. interesting about them is that because Christians have been forewarned about this via the Bible, via the Holy Spirit, that they are going to fall into this exact same, let's call it a trap of what the what the demons will be saying. It's like some people are going to rebel against it because they and they're the cause of all the war, the religions wars of the of history have all been you know they've been selling that bill of goods to us for a long time in the media and everything else that Christians are really responsible for every every ill in the whole world. So it's going to be easy to believe. That we actually have to eliminate Christians who just because of their poor, you know, they've been brainwashed their mm-hmm. whole lives and right. they really can't go along with this new thing. So, you know, concentration camps, you know, or whatever. It's, mm-hmm. And that's going to be, I think, the way it goes. I think the Jews uh, also will be uh, in that category. Mm-hmm. I think the Muslim people will be saved in great number. Uh, but I also believe that the current paradigm set up uh, with the Imam Mahdi uh, mm-hmm. sets them up t- to, I think, worship, uh, or at least, you know, worship the Avatar, but not like any other group mm-hmm. is safe from that, so it's not trying to single them out. Right. Well, we're going to have to hold it at that. I think that's a full show, and I want to thank you so much uh, to discuss a little bit of what you do about the, the content of the documentary uh, and your own understanding and your prodigious work in the New Age uh, analysis. And in closing, I just want to tell our listeners again to look up the documentary called Aquarius, The Age of Evil, by Keith Thompson, and if you go to KeithTruth.com, K-E-I-T-H Truth.com, uh, you can go there. We'll put the link at FutureQuake.com. Uh, or go on YouTube, check out. You're going to find some new information, even if you've studied this thing, uh, a new age that you want to learn before. This is Dr. Future back at Future Quake. Uh, that ends our interview uh, with Chris White, uh, and he will be interviewing us for the next two segments of our simulcast show, but here's Merv to tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information.
Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Come back tomorrow. Chris White will be uh, asking Tom and I some questions. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. Uh, my comrade, Tom Bionic, is not with me right now, but you're getting ready to hear him. Um, first part of this week, we were interviewing Chris White uh, on behalf of the new director, Keith Thompson, and the new uh, uh, documentary, Aquarius, the Age of Evil. Uh, but we're doing a simulcast with Chris White's show, uh, Nowhere to Run. And uh, the second half of this week, he's going to be uh, leading our discussion and asking uh, Tom and I some questions. So with no further ado, uh, here is Chris White uh, at Yours Truly and Tom Bionic. And we'll be back here to wrap it up here at Future Quake. We're going to turn the page now, and I think I'm, we're going to hand the baton over to Mr. Chris White of Nowhere to Run Radio uh, in our unique simulcast that we're doing right now. And uh, let you t- take over here. You're going to t- control transmission here, and you're going to... Flipped off the autopilot. Yeah. We're going right. to switch hats, and now... We are your uh, subjects on the on the witness yeah. stand here. Okay. So. Okay. Well, I think you guys have a really interesting perspective on things. You keep your finger on the pulse of the news and what's going on. Uh, you, you're certainly uh, more involved in the issues of the day and what's going on. So the questions kind of reflect that. And I want to hear just – I'll just ask one and just hear both of your responses on it. Um, the first one here, let's, let's open this can of worms here. How should Christians relate to government? Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you go first, Dr. Future? You want me to? Yes. Well, I'm going to be long-winded. You may not be oh, awake. Oh, and I'm going to be like five minutes. You may not be awake when I get done. Because okay. uh, I just want to say ahead of time to our, to our listeners that uh, this is something I'm still researching. So mm-hmm. please bear with me. This is the thought in process. And a lot of it has been sort of an evolution through doing the Future Quake show and having on some very enlightened guests who've really challenged us, uh, particularly a Christian guest who... Uh, have been down this path a little longer of thinking some of these things through. And I recognize there's a lot of different views of Bible-believing Christians, uh, but I'll, I'll share what, what mine is right now. I'm currently doing a Bible study uh, that includes a large part of it going through the entire Bible and trying to really confirm for sure what the Bible says about this topic. We hear a lot of things third-hand, but really the only legitimate source is God's Word for it. So... Uh, I'll share with you what I understand to date uh, about that. But to, to, to clarify things, I think um, I, I'd like to first explain um, two movements that are very common within the American evangelical community and why I sort of plot a path between them. Uh, one path um, that that uh, has gone forward is a very activist uh, movement within evangelical Christianity that knows that God's way, God's laws, God's principle for holy living is something that that would be of benefit to all of society. Uh, they, they see uh, what God's intentions were in uh, the kingdom of Israel. Uh, they look at what God wants to do uh, in his earthly reign here. 
and they naturally think, well, that's the best thing we can do for society is to try to bring about uh, the, these moral and spiritual principles and be able to really enforce them uh, with the use of government to be able to create a, a very moral society, very well-meaning and with the intent to be a blessing to all people as, as well as to restrain evildoers. Uh, and a lot of the uh, uh, background, Bible background they would use for this would be based out of the Old Testament, uh, Old Testament guidelines that God gives toward the governance of a nation. Uh, the only thing I would caution them on is that um, it's very, very easy, and I'm certainly guilty of this many times, of taking passages out of their context in which they're written, who the audience was, the special conditions in which they were given. Uh, and I think we understand that Israel uh, in the Old Testament was a very, very unique situation, a group of people and, and in time in God's plan uh, for humanity and for the universe. Uh, from the time of the calling of Abraham up until the time that Jesus uh, was brought forward. As I understand it, their purpose um, was to be a blessing to the Gentiles, uh, but mainly through passing on God's truth. And, and one particular venue in which they were known to be successful, uh, as, as Paul says, is that they preserved the oracles of God. Uh, they took uh, what God shared through the prophets, through Moses, and they very carefully preserved that word that we use today, and that was a very important role. Um, at times when they were close to God, which unfortunately was very brief, um, they did live out the kind of commands that he gave for a society, uh, and they were a very peaceful, prosperous society when that was, was in play. And, of course, the biggest thing we can thank them for was the preservation of the bloodline of the kinsman redeemer through Jesus Christ. Uh, that that we could all find uh, salvation through uh, his atonement for us. And so uh, through, through God's economy, he chose them to do that role on behalf of humanity. But as far as the, the, the specific political guidelines and the moral and ethical guidelines that were intended to be enforced uh, coercively through, through civil government, I think we need to be careful in extrapolating that unique theocracy that God set up uh, to 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 be there for a certain point in time and to preserve again this bloodline, preserve His word that we extrapolated to Gentile nations, and that is sometimes a very very bitter pill for Americans to hear. Uh, who we have a natural inclination we've had for a long time of being special, uh, being different, being not just another country, uh, and to think of ourselves just as a Gentile nation uh, can be very painful and doesn't set well with us. But I believe from a, from a Bible standpoint, there are really no respecters of persons. And I don't think we have any reason to believe, uh, from Scripture at least, that God has any different dealings with America than he would other Gentile nations themselves. Uh, so so that, that's one concern I have, and particularly because this activity, which has is, which is gone on from people who, who were reacting to a lack of any kind of Christian influence, in civil government and have tried to show morality as a part has gone so far now that we have people that are in something called the dominionist movement uh, who make no bones about the fact that they want Christians Bible believing Christians to take literal control uh, over civil power structures and the and the authority and the course of power that it has uh, to, to keep and preempt people from doing things that they believe counter to God's will but you use the secular government as the means by which to enforce it, uh, rather than the power of the Holy Spirit, the influence of the church and the individuals uh, is empowered by the Holy Spirit. So, so that, that's, a, that's a path that I think um, is wrong, 
And I think what is going to happen is that it is so enraging other Americans who are just as much citizens as Christians are that there is a backlash forming, a pushback uh, against those who are having their freedoms taken away who don't happen to be under the same covenant that we are. Um, the, and, and that's something else to keep in mind. In Israel, the people of Israel voluntarily went into covenant with God. The entire nation did. Uh, when they met at the foot of the Mount Sinai, uh, the whole nation went into a covenant where they agreed to live by these certain principles. Uh, and those that, and those that they would raise after them would. And, and there were specific laws for those, even the stranger could voluntarily come into this covenant, uh, and partake with them or they could be outside of it. Uh, but we live in a very pluralistic society now of people who have not voluntarily taken the covenant with Christ and the restrictions that we who are Christians voluntarily take upon ourselves about our daily living, about our morality, about other things that we do. And so I think we have to be very, very careful in doing something that God does not even do, which is coercively forcing people to live in a way that he wants them to live. Now, uh, on the other side, we have uh, Christians uh, who are also very well-meaning and have verses and passages to justify their position that you could call abdicationist. Uh, they believe that um, our call is, is purely to a spiritual kingdom, uh, that although we are here on earth, left on earth, our, our only purpose is for evangelizing and to raise a spiritual kingdom, which which really should not be debatable. Obviously, those those are the cruxes of why we're here. But because of the the uh, corruption they see, the evil forces, and they 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 strongly understand this idea about Satan being in control of the nations of the earth, as as he offered to Jesus. In fact, when he tempted him, because of that reason, they see very little utility to be accomplished. In fact, anything but a distraction to be involved in civil earthly government, uh, that it would be a distraction from our main calling and be futile on top of it. And I can sympathize with many of their views. However, uh, I, I am of late of an opinion that, that cannot feel comfortable signing off what may be a responsibility on my behalf uh, merely on the fact of what the outcome might be. And the reason I make this case is that one, one of the real texts that, that such people use is uh, Romans chapter 13. Where, where Paul teaches uh, that Christians are to be uh, uh, obedient uh, to authorities and to, to as I'm paraphrasing, but basically just be compliant with, with what they're instructed to do, that God has put them in place for this and that they need to do that. And I think in general that is a very wise guideline because uh, God does not want to control rebels. That's not what he wants in his kingdom or people who create mischief, as the Bible says. Uh, you, you, you are highly regarded in heaven if you suffer for righteousness, sake, but, but not if you're an evildoer and not if you're doing things against the law. Uh, but uh, I think, again, the same context we have to use of the passages in, in the Old Testament, we have to remember who Paul was speaking to at, at the time in Romans and even the Christians throughout the, the kingdom at the New Testament era. Um, the, the known world at that time was under subjugation of the Roman government. Um, th- this really has very little bearing civilly to what the circumstances we have today. Uh, th- there was a world government that had an iron fist over uh, all the nations of the world and the known world. And basically any kind of resistance was futile uh, to anything that, that they would do and it would be punishable by death. There was no practical way to evoke positive change in their government. Uh, Caesar had all power. Uh, he could do as he pleased. And because of that, 
uh, not only I think Paul was warning that it's it's futile to try to do things, and and the comparison they would have had in that generation was to the zealots, uh, the zealots of Jesus' time uh, from the you know Maccabean revolt, and then later the revolts later through Bar Kokhba and others. They end up being efforts in futility eventually, and and I and I think with that in their hindsight they could see. Uh, fighting a civil government doesn't serve any purpose and not what we're called to do. Uh, but at the same time, I felt I feel that they, in turn, are not responsible and held accountable for the actions of Caesar. Caesar did many horrible things regarding slavery, regarding uh, wanton killing and murder, exploitation of others, sexual sins, things like this. They had no control over him, therefore they're not held accountable. Now when we look in the 20th century and... and we are blessed, American Christians are blessed to live in a nation that for the last 200 plus years has been an experiment in self-government. Uh, other Western nations of the world now have something similar to what we have. But it's drastically different than what the ancient world had, and in fact the rest of recorded history until the last few hundred years. The fact that we actually could serve in essence as our own leaders and pick representatives that serve as proxies on our behalf. And these proxies go and uh, do our actions, our bidding on our behalf. If they do things that don't reflect our interests, we get rid of them and put someone else in their place. So in effect, they don't become rulers as much as they're administrators of our wishes, uh, as well as uh, us being a constitutional republic, which means the, the final authority or, or law is the Constitution. So that is the real authority in our nation, as I understand it, is not the individual who is to administer it, but the Constitution itself. Uh, and it's our responsibility to pick our rulers. So uh, I say that as a warning to Christians today in America because I feel that God holds us to a special standard uh, that the New Testament church was not even privy to. Uh, they had no influence on their elected officials. We do. Uh, and our elected officials will reflect our wishes to the extent that we participate or are involved, and we have to be accountable to the Lord on how righteously we govern. Uh, I think there could be many leaders we could look at in American history even um, who Christians have largely supported that when all was said and done, they did things that God may not be very happy with and God may hold the people accountable who have put these people in office and positions. So I, I would conclude this by just saying that um, I, would, I would encourage American Christians to go back and look in the Bible about the guidelines that God gives to rulers themselves and those rulers, particularly for Gentile nations, uh, those rulers are, uh, are guided to uh, guide justly, to administer justice, to have fair courts, to even have economic justice. It talks about dishonest weights and measures, uh, to take care of the widow and the orphan and these other kind of things. And uh, I, would, uh, I would say that these are the kind of things that would apply to us and we'll be held accountable for because we will pick our ruler proxies uh, to do things, and we should be salt and light in the effect that we can accomplish God's will for Gentile nations. Again, they're not the church, that they don't have a moral or evangel evangelical role, but they have a role that God gave for Gentile governments, and I think that's a middle-of-the-road place. After my long-winded discourse, that's where I'll leave it at. It was good. Well-informed. Um, <clears throat> um, so the question was, how should Christians relate to government? Mm -hmm. um, this is these are sort of my current thinking. This is my current thinking on the issue, and it and it you know, uh, I'm always welcome to other other thoughts and uh, the way you know being influenced. I just want to be as close as I can to the way God would want it to be, and I think that's I think that's you know it goes for Doctor Future and you as well, Chris. Mm -hmm. um, 
So it seems to me that in the Bible there's been there were sort of three spheres of influence uh, set up by God in the Old Testament. You had the family, you had what we could sort of vaguely call the church or a community, what we think of today as the church slash community. And then we have the government, uh, whether it's a, whether it was a sort of a communal, loose-knit, libertarian type of government such as the judges or a kingship such as, you know, in first, second kings under under uh, Saul, then, then David and then Solomon and on and on, the rest of them. Um, we see in... We see in all of those that God tends to sort of work, uh, set those three spheres of influence up uh, to my current thinking uh, around you. And so to that end, government, in some way, shape or form, it seems very obvious that, you know, uh, the abolitionist uh, uh, or abdicationist, rather, the abdicationist position uh, that we need to take our hands completely off is sort of uh, not entirely not entirely correct because we see God working in government all the time. Um, now, the other end of that spectrum is, is uh, well, government, whatever government the government says goes. We need to just obey the government no matter what. Um, typically, uh, typically articulated uh, from Revel- uh, Revelation, uh, Romans 13, uh, obey, the, obey the powers and rulers, um, so, uh, which is, you know, uh, Romans 13 does certainly speak in that language, uh, although there are some qualifiers, as Dr. Future enumerated earlier. Um, but one of those is, uh, one of those things is Hosea 8.4 that says, there are rulers and kings, but I have not set them up. So, uh, on the surface of it, you've got these two things here going on. Uh, they can't, they can't both be true uh, explicitly uh to the point where you just can follow them in a in a unilateral manner without thinking. Um, now, if you go and you look at the idea of us being set up as as God's image too, you know, there's this whole idea of free, of free will involved. This God is a sort of the unrestricted, the best example of an unrestricted free uh, agent, and we're supposed to reflect that idea of having free will and being able to make decisions. Um, now, uh, as Christians, it seems to me. Uh, our kingdom and our citizenship uh, under Jesus Christ is essentially spiritual. Uh, you go back and look at the governments that were set up uh, under Saul uh, uh, and David. Uh, both Saul and David were anointed by Samuel, uh, and then uh, whenever there was, uh, and then later on Solomon, I believe, had Nathan. He was anointed three different times with Nathan as by Nathan the prophet. Uh, so then you see this you see this idea of anointing with the prophet. If you go and you look at uh, John the Baptist, you see him being uh, you see him anointing Jesus, but in a completely different way. Uh, and then you go through, and one of the things that's obvious to me is that you know heaven is completely in view. Uh, Jesus taught from this idea of heaven being completely in view, and the, and the spirit world, the supernatural being completely in view. Uh, and everything else that subsequently comes from that is is our new citizenship seems to now be in uh, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and so uh, that's all long-winded and, and, and interesting, but how does that relate to the question? Ultimately, it seems to me that our free will, uh, we, we are supposed to exercise our free will within the laws of the kingdom that we are in. And as Christians, that's, of course, the kingdom of God.
Um, now, sometimes those law, I think sometimes those laws may come in conflict with whatever other kingdom we happen to, our earthly bodies happen to be in. Um, uh, most notably, it seems like, uh, as Dr. Future was enumerating, there seems to be this real strong push towards, uh, you know, uh, Jesus and the USA essentially being something that are sort of uh, dependent on each other. I just saw a bumper sticker today that said it was J-E-S-U-S-A, all one word. And uh, the first line was uh, my nation, and the second, the second subheading was my faith. And I was like, hmm, that is... That's oddly J E S U S A J E S U S A. Write it out. It's a, it's like yeah. Jesus, you know. Wow. And that says it and, all. And, and and to me, um, you, to me, that's that's a very subtle but very at this point becoming more and more ubiquitous form of idolatry when you trust when you trust whatever government that you are under uh, implicitly. And you put that as secondary. Uh, you put the kingdom, your your true kingdom, what should be your true kingdom, the kingdom of God, as secondary to what, um, uh, to whatever, whatever, whatever governmental, earthly governmental institution you happen to be living under. A perfect example would be uh, Christians who want to go shoot Muslims, who who think that uh, what we need to do is 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 uh, uh, get rid of all the Muslims because they represent they represent a problem to the Christian faith. They represent subhumans that we need to eradicate with bombs or whatever. Um, now, I don't know where I don't know how a Muslim person is any less qualified uh, to the salvation experience than a Christian. You mean to receive Christ? Yeah, to receive to to receive Jesus uh, than a Hindu or a Buddhist or an atheist or an agnostic. Um, and in fact, I've seen, I've seen numerous cases. One example, I was at a, I was at a, uh, uh, this play, and the guy behind me, it was a play to evangelize young children in the area, and the guy behind me went on and on and on for 20 or so minutes about uh, it wasn't worth saving or evangelizing Muslims, and what we needed to do was essentially kill them. That was kind of his main, main plot, main, main arc of his conversation. It was merely more of a diatribe. Nobody else was talking. And uh, then at the end of the thing, you know, they, they made an altar call and, you know, a bunch of people stood up and then he ended up being one of the people that led the other people into the room to, to, to you know, to pray the prayer with them and help them receive Christ. And, uh, you know, what that told me was uh, by this man's, combining this man's words and actions, what he has said is that uh, Christian Jesus is okay for my folks, but not for everybody. Um, and I see that I see that sort of slight increasing of thinking with just I I I it almost I almost can't stand to watch TV and listen to commercial radio because it just seems like uh, the USA is being uh, this this holy war aspect. Uh, uh, <laughs> Jesus is being equated with the USA so much that. Uh, we've lost focus on where our true kingdom is. Right. Let me stop you there and and, uh, comment on that today. I've been a little sheltered from talk radio, but today I had the opportunity to listen to every uh, talk radio show on this local, the local big talk 
uh, station here. And the main topic of conversation or the main idea from all of those radio programs were, was in some way or another to get people either scared or uh, upset or, um, sure. you know, just mad at, at, at Muslim people. Sure. But, um, I'm sure I'm sure we could talk about that yeah. for for many many a long time. Do you have anything to add to that before we move on? Well, uh, Dr. could you summarize your position okay. about government Christians? Government? Okay, uh, Christians need to keep. Here's the one sentence answer. Christians need to keep their kingdom in perspective, and if huh. they are serving God's kingdom, they will have some rules that may not agree necessarily with all of the. All of the rules of the earthly government, and uh, if they are serving the earthly government, they will f- probably find that there is never a place where they disagree with the government. Okay. But they're still on earth. How should they relate to the earthly government then? They should follow, they should follow, they should ignore it in favor of the kingdom of God. Okay. But should they participate or... Oh, well, of course. They should participate and do whatever whatever the higher level of laws of the kingdom of God would dictate. And that would be, in some cases, to participate, in some cases, to not participate, and in some cases, to, you know, get a sign and go protest. In other cases, it would be uh, to hang back, and in other cases, it would be to... Uh, you know, vote party line, or you know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a case by case basis. I would mention really quickly to, to validate that is, you know, you have uh, I think that the law of the the Lord, the way the Lord wants us to live lives, are are in keeping with the government. But where it's not, um, in cases like you, like uh, let's say, uh, you know, with the children of Israel and they're in Babylon, or you know, um, the uh, or Philip obviously is, or rather uh, Peter getting rebuked for preaching the gospel. But also John the Baptist speaking out against um, the inappropriate marriage thing, yeah, and, and things like that. But but yeah, uh, Doctor Future. Yeah, let me just summarize in twenty seconds. Uh, the uh, I, I believe American Christians in our form of government uh, should try to promote a government that brings justice to people in the courts, uh, justice. Uh, in in the means that are coercive, in other words, that people's properties and persons are safe, and that's what the coercive power of government is needed to do, and that's what God says that the Gentile nations are there for. The rest of the needs of society, the moral needs, the other kind of things, should be handled within the confines of the church itself, and non-coercively be blessing and be salt and light to society. But that only works if the, if the church stands up and it performs those functions and does not sit on their hands and force the government to fill in the vacuum on those other issues. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. Um, sorry Tom couldn't be with us right now. He's actually doing another live interview at the time we're recording this uh, for Omega Hour. But um, that was a very unique experience being interviewed on our own show by another guest. Uh, had sort of a long-winded answer. Uh, sort of my evolving view about government as well as Tom. Uh, rather lengthy uh, answer there. We'll get a few more questions covered tomorrow. But until then, here's Merv to tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. 
That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we've got to go. Come back tomorrow for our last segment with Chris White. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. If you haven't joined us this week, uh, Brother Tom couldn't be with us here for our introductory segment. He's actually doing a uh, recording for the uh, Omega Hour show right now, Minister Fortson. But he'll be joining us in our tape segment here. This is the last segment of our time spent with Chris White of the Nowhere to Run radio show. Uh, we originally had scheduled an interview with Keith Thompson, the writer and producer of Aquarius, The Age of Evil. Uh, and we had Chris White come in because... Uh, uh, Brother Keith uh, had an uh, emergency come up and couldn't be with us at the last minute. And so uh, Chris White is a, a very prolific uh, part of that documentary. and came in and talked with us about the topic of it related to additional findings on the true nature and menace from the New Age movement. But we're doing a unique simulcast this week, if you've not heard already, with uh, his Nowhere to Run radio show with Chris White's. And so in the second half of our interview this week, we're letting Chris White take the reins and uh, quiz us. And he's got some questions he's asking us for our show. Uh, that'll be simulcast on both places. So we're going to cover some additional topics today in our closing segment about where we see the future of Christian media and what are the real external threats to the church. So we'll have quite a few opinions to share on that. We hope you find it interesting. And we'll come back to wrap it up here on Future Quake. Well, the next question is um, similar, but uh, it's actually about Christian media and how do you see Christian media's role developing in the next 10 years and opinions about it in general? I don't know where to begin, so you go <laughs> ahead. <laughs> well, um, I think you gave an example in, in this, the last segment that we just concluded about um, you were listening to – Christian talk radio today and uh, about sort of a steady stream of of uh, setting up this boogeyman in the Islamic boogeyman. Well, to be fair, that wasn't Christian talk. One of the oh. guys is, is, oh, very, okay. is very Christian, but it was mostly okay. just conservative. Well, but, I didn't but, mean to put words in your mouth because uh, when I listen to Christian talk radio, I hear the same thing, maybe even more so. Uh, and my hunch is is that one thing that's unique about American evangelical Christianity that differs, I believe, from the rest of the world of Christianity and the fact that we reach a very, very different conclusions than the rest of the body of Christ, which should give us pause, should give us a reason to stop and think about why we think. It's one thing for the heathen to have certain positions, but when the rest of the body of Christ differs from us, we shouldn't assume that we're naturally more superior than them in our thinking. But I, I believe that the last few generations of, of America and American Christians have been influenced by things like the Cold War and this duality mindset of us versus them. Uh, we've done some shows on Future Quake showing uh, just recently, in fact, that the Cold War, to a large extent, if you really start digging, was a little bit of a setup. 
uh, that there were some powers at bees and globalists at the end of World War II. Uh, in fact, that the, the, the origins of it were farther, going farther back. But this duality was set up by these nations purposely to do their activities through third uh, nation pr- proxies and battles to basically set up this Hegelian dialectic for eventual global government. But this whole thing that we bought into about this us versus them uh, permeates every part, I think, of American Christian culture. Uh, uh, Since the communists have disappeared, uh, at least on our radar screen of abject fear, and if you listen to old uh, teaching of, of Christian teachers from years ago, you will hear communism as being the main threat to the body of Christ and the work of Christ. And certainly many communists have tortured Christians and done terrible things to them, and that's a reality. But now it's is Islamic extremism that has been replaced as the new enemy du jour that is the main threat that dominates Christian talk radio. It's almost the same kind of arguments. Oh, it just replaced them. Yeah, I know. It's the you same purpose. Up Russian and put in Muslim. And unfortunately, if you do enough study, you will find that uh, things were set up a long time ago to make Muslims. And I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about other forces that had other objectives to be able to keep the defense military industrial complex running uh, by having a new enemy to do more arms sales, uh, to create more. Uh, uh, authority, authoritative power structures over our country, like the Patriot Act, things like this. And Christians have bought right into it. And I think they've been suckered into it. Uh, I think they've lost some of their discernment. And I think it goes away from a biblical worldview. But that's what you see dominates mainstream Christian talk radio. I'm thankful for a lot of Christian talk radio. I'm thankful for what it's done. And people have come to Christ with it. But if you go to the talk radio portion, and I'm not talking about the people who are just reading out of the Bible. In, in preaching. I'm talking about those who are really talking about current issues, which I think Christians should do. Um, but, but these talking points that they're, that they're doing uh, it, it tends to be a, based on fear, tends to be based on hate, uh, and I think it is going to hurt our witness in the future. Uh, plus, there are some financial advantages for them to focus on this. Um, War is good for the pocketbook, there, there are even for... Right. The Christian leaders, unfortunately. That's why we, that's why we yeah. say there's never, you never such thing as peace profiteers. Yep. Um, but, but even within parachurch organizations, uh, it's a money deal. There's a lot of money goes back and forth in these, in these things. And people who are main benefactors and contributors to a lot of these ministries have agendas and things that they want to see said and done, uh, media arms. And so I, I see something very dark. Uh, in the mainstream Christian media in the future, and I say that very sadly. Um, if they would spend full time doing Bible teaching, I wouldn't feel as bad as long as it was good, sound Bible teaching. Um, but um, the, the the social impact of what they have, the political impact they have, uh, is something that's going to be very, very constrictive, and there'll be a backlash on us. But the positive news is that um, while many people lament all of the terrible things that happen with technologies like the internet and there's certainly some horrible things that that the enemy does to use it Uh, we have found all sorts of good uses within the body of christ to create a decentralized more democratic way for people in the body of christ to be able to share their faith uh, to be able to share their thoughts with others uh, and for people to find new ministry opportunities to serve Uh, there are all sorts of christian uh, radio programs that are independent podcasters others uh, 
not only doing their own radio shows, but now we have things like YouTube and other things where they can put their information out and reach people they never could. Uh, these people may not be behind a pulpit, uh, may not be behind and having uh, the compromises that come with, with those kind of positions. But, but today, if you have something the Lord lays on your heart and you're willing to study the Word, you have an opportunity to share uh, what, what you feel like the Lord's shown you to anybody. And we have a, a bunch of people within the community in, in the United States, and I'm sure it's worldwide, of Christians uh, who have been able to show a fresh word from the Lord. And, and the nice thing is that many of these people are doing it in a volunteer status. Uh, money does not taint the issue and what their motives are or what they do. Um, they are working together. They're, they're working cooperatively at many times in the work that they do. They are actually doing things from a, from a uh, discretionary standpoint and discernment standpoint that and sometimes the mainstream media has let us down on uh, to, to be able to be discerning about things that are going on external to the body and internally. And so I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm concerned a little bit about future restrictions on the Internet. Uh, it's starting to, to cause a big problem for authoritative power structures in the government and elsewhere. And uh, there's open discussions right now about further restrictions. So we may be in a short-term golden age. But uh, I would certainly like to recommend everybody who listens that enjoys these independent Christian talk shows, you better download the shows from any of the archives of your favorite sites. Put it on your hard drive and keep it because you don't know if it's going to be there tomorrow. But I'm certainly thankful about the opportunity the Lord's given today. Good answer. Um, just for the benefit of the benefit of the audience and the benefit for the benefit of me, could you repeat the question? Sure. Uh, what do you see Christian media's role in the next ten years, and uh, maybe the future of, of Christian media, and also just what what do you think about it in general? Uh, I see it becoming more and more uh, a propaganda arm for uh, the powers that be. I mean, in general, in general. Uh, let me back up here and just quickly try and review some history. Uh, Operation Mockingbird was, of course, uh, a gigantic multimedia blitz to, to put pro-government messages in the media, uh, one of which was Walter Cronkite. He was an Operation Mockingbird agent. Uh, you know, the most trusted man in America, you know, turns out to be pushing these pro-government messages and pro-government works. Uh, we've seen the same, uh, we tend to see the same sort of messages uh, from uh, Christians in general in the Christian media. Um, and we see them, we see them doing stuff uh, uh, that really tends to line up quite well with a pro-big government message um, without, in my opinion, without necessarily alluding to any actual uh, factual material. Uh, one, one example might be uh, Ergen Kainer and his recent uh, factual, what, I can't remember, what, were the, what was the thing they called? Uh, factual. Well, his his facts were inconsistent or, yeah, or, or yeah, contradictory. Factually, factually contradictory. Yeah. Um, uh, what I'm of course referring to is he said he was trained to be a Muslim extremist, you know, terror bomber in Turkey, but he had never grown up in Turkey and had lived in Sweden and emigrated here when he was four. Uh, and and statements like that, you know, he had generally made statements where you know he had been trained to strap a bomb onto him that were. As, as far as everybody can tell, factually incorrect. And there's been no, nobody said, well, gosh, this is really important. There's been no housekeeping, as it were, in the Christian media or from the places that of his employ uh, or that support him. 
and I think that really should tell us something. Um, what's going on is, is somebody has made some uh, uh, factually inconsistent statements, or however they worded that, uh, and how do we know there's not more? You know, in fact, what we see is a general sweeping under the rug of all of those things. Um, and can, we can I make a comment on that related yeah. to that? Mm-hmm. You, you know, when when Joseph Farah, who was just on our show, who's probably as as central a spokesman for Christian media as anybody, uh, when he when he told us when we asked about the the potential the, the innocent people at Guantanamo Bay, for example, mm-hmm. and what what's the Christian media doing about that, and he said that. Well, even if there are Christian media, if there are innocent people in Guantanamo Bay, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Mm-hmm. And I think that says a lot about the state of Christian media today. Mm-hmm. A lot of praise of militaristic, uh, authoritative power structures. Very little talked about uh, people who may be finding injustice mm-hmm. uh, by at whatever level, a military level, government level, local level. Very little discussion about it, and in fact, if but someone see, brings it up, they're they're brought into suspicion mm-hmm. uh, as to their you know as to their real commitments because mm-hmm. of that. We uh, yeah uh, we see the government spending uh, by their own admission something like twenty billion dollars uh, to plant pro government and pro volunteerist messages uh, into primetime television. Actually, that was that was something that happened in I think two thousand seven two thousand eight. Uh, so what we see is this massive massive complex of pro-government stuff that goes out into the media and we see very little uh, we see very little people saying oops yeah so this is what we're doing uh, and we see those same messages possibly even writ large uh, by many of the spokesmen some of the spokesmen of the uh, mainstream Christian media uh, not necessarily uh, backed up with anything substantially biblical Although usually given some type of a patina of, you know, scripture out of context or something, and uh, so anyway, all of that to say uh, that I see it moving farther and farther away from uh, what may be in the best interests of the Christian body at large. Okay, so uh, how much time do we have left? Uh, we we've got about uh, thirteen minutes. Okay, the next question is about um, you know we talked a little bit about um, maybe that. Uh, you know the general idea that Islam is is the biggest external threat to the church. Or um, let let me ask you if 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 that's not the biggest external threat, what in your eyes would the uh, biggest external threat to the to the real church, the those that are you know in Christ? What 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 are what should, is the threat out there? Let me get it. Go ahead. Um, well. Uh, I, I would say externally, there's always a threat from um, external power structures like authoritative government that uh, wants to control. I mean, we're, all of us who are Bible-believing Christians who believe the Lord's returning are now on a terror watch list. The Department of Homeland Security reported that in 2009 in January that we're considered potential right-wing extremists. If we believe in the Lord's return, if you believe you're pro-life, uh, yeah, if you believe in the Constitution, these kind of things, you you are a potential domestic terrorist. Uh, we will eventually have the quote secular government clamp down on us eventually. Uh, and there's a lot of emphasis being given. Obviously, uh, the people of Islam are the ones that are considered public enemy number one by Christian media. 
Um, you also hear things about the, quote, secular humanists who used to be number one. They've been eclipsed a little bit, probably a little sore over that. But I, but I personally feel in, in, the, in the long haul that uh, the, the real external threat that, we will, that will really try their best to be our undoing is the group that we talked about in the, the first segment of our show, and that is the adherence of the New Age movement. And, and I'll, I'll say several reasons why I believe that. Um, Islam has elements of it that could be very violent, um, but they are monotheistic believers they believe in certain moral restraints. They believe in subjection to God. The the adherents of the New Age movement, uh, particularly the, the, their their main um, teachers, are upfront about their commitment to Lucifer, to Satan, uh, and in rebellion to the God of the Bible. So they so they openly stand in rebellion to Him and to Jesus Christ. Um, most I, I would say that in throughout the world. Probably the overwhelming bulk of people in Islam have never heard the story about Jesus Christ, at least as told by a Christian. They've never had an opportunity to hear the full story. Although we hear missionaries now that are saying that even Jesus is appearing in dreams to Muslims and telling them who he is and sending them to Christian missionaries and pastors to find out more about Jesus Christ. So God is at work in there, but most of them do not have access. Most of the New Age people that I have met have heard the gospel message. They may have heard it uh, in, a, in a bad circumstance. They may have had trauma in a church or had some other kind of event that turned them away in general from the Christian faith. But most of them have left in rebellion against, against Christ. Uh, but when you read their writings, they have a specific goal to dispose of Christians. And what they're doing uh, instead of doing a lot of saber rattling, they are currently taking over the reins of power uh, one by one through the globalist leaders, through the United Nations, other globalists like Michel, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev and others. And they are slowly creating an authoritative structure uh, to clamp down through global government on all of us Christians, not just in America, but everywhere. So I think they've been very, very quietly with a smile on their face putting the infrastructure to in, invoke a plan that they already have put in writing uh, to eliminate Christianity, Christian beliefs, and following of Jesus Christ. So I will, I will put my vote for the New Age movement as the real long-term external threat. Hmm. Uh, I guess my answer would sort of mimic that in some ways, but also maybe sort of move away from it in other ways. Uh, it seems like ever since Paul preached to uh, the brothers there, that final time before going back to Jerusalem, uh, the warnings since then have always been about false teachers. And I think that certainly relates to the right. New Age. But that would be an internal threat. Well, I don't think he explicitly asked about external threats. Oh, he said I'm, what threats. I may have misheard. Yeah. Sorry. Well, okay. Well, external... technically, technically, that would be an external threat. I mean, it would be like you know, false teachers. Yeah, false teachers coming in. They, mm-hmm. they yeah. came from the outside. <laughs> let's say. Let's, let's, so let's they're just... behind enemy lines, in other words. Yeah, there, there you go. Good, good save, Chris. Thank you. Um, uh, it seems to me that that I mean, obviously, the John John letters to some extent, you know, First John saying that, you know, that the Antichrist in these last times, the Antichrist has come, and there are now many Antichrists that have come or in in the world. And Jude saying, you know, there are people that eat with you uh, and have no fear of God. They're like, you know twice dead trees blown by the autumn wind and some other really, really graphic things like that. Uh, again, like I said, Paul, you know, preaching to the Christian brothers there before going back to Jerusalem. 
um, it just seems to me that it's just never stopped since then. We've always had somebody uh, trying to pervert the, you know, the gospel, the grace, and the scripture, and uh, uh, the, the teachings of Jesus for their own for their own ends, be it political, social, uh, whatever type of power structure, alter, alternative power structure they they're they're put under, um, and they don't. Nobody does much about it. You know, most of the time people tend to go, yeah, well, you know, probably shouldn't say anything about that. It's like, well, he denied original sin, man. You know, he said that Adam wasn't really, didn't really fall. You think that's a problem? Well, well, no. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I jest only a little bit because that was an actual, that's an actual thing that I sort of, you know, talked to somebody about here recently. Um, there ended up being a big email email string that went back and forth a bunch of mo- among a bunch of other people of a very prominent ministry that I was uh, of which I you know was cc'd on this whole long string. Um, so I, I I guess to to boil it down to one sentence I would say it would have to be infiltrators false teaching oftentimes from the new age mm-hmm. uh, to get bringing back into the you know brought back into the church you know. And I would I would say that both of those things are a part of, um, you know, the same sort of spirit of Antichrist or, or the same sort of thing that, it, uh, you know, you see it so many, so many different ways in the way it manifests, but it's always doing the same thing. I think we, we had discussed at one point that the, it's kind of like everything and anything except for those that take the Bible, you know, literally. And that's kind of the, the, the line that gets drawn a lot of times there, but, mm-hmm. and, and, and Satan's really good as you, uh, you know, kind of alluding to with the false teachings of, of make, taking verses and making them be perfect. Like, like when he did the tempting of, uh, uh, Jesus when he was said, the scripture says, you know, if you, if you jump, you know, you'll, you'll be caught and he quotes a psalm or whatever. And I think that's a really good example of kind of quoting out of context of that psalm and, and that's ex- indicative of how he uses mm-hmm. that in, in false ministry. Uh, and stuff like that. So, uh, to how much, uh, probably just a few more minutes left. So I'm going to ask, um, this question that I think that you guys will both, uh, give us some insight in. I know that you're both, uh, news hounds and you guys get, uh, some really great news every week. So let me ask you, what kind of places are you getting all this news and just in general Christian information? Um, I'll go first. Uh, hey, don't steal all mine. Yeah, okay. Uh, I go to uh, Cryptogon.com a great deal. Uh, I go to uh, WorldNet Daily once in a while. I go to, uh, of course, Misha's site, GlobalEconomicAnalysis.blogspot.com, uh, FreedomInOurTime.blogspot.com, uh, Financial Times, uh, The Guardian. Guardian seems to come up in both of ours yeah, quite a bit. Right. And that what's that guy Evan? Yeah, uh, Pritchard. Evan. Yeah, I think it's Evan yeah, Pritchard. Yeah. yeah, he's a he's a uh, uh, just a great journalist there with mm-hmm. the Guardian, I believe. Uh, the Telegraph. Um, and then above and beyond that, uh, let's see. There's Raiders News Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, and several other news ad, uh, aggregators similar to Raiders. Mm-hmm. Uh, Infowars. Infowars has a lot of great stories, Mm -hmm. the kind of stories Christian media should be following up on. Um, Drudge Report. Drudge Report is a lot of times where things hit first. If it's really big, it'll hit on a Drudge Report. Uh, You have to go search for other things. Some of my sources are even non-Christian. 
but it's mm-hmm. information for that's good for Bible students to know about. Uh, a classic case of that is the Daily Grail. DailyGrail.com has information of a spiritual nature, uh, particularly things about what the New Age people are up to or people that's just into spirit stuff. And uh, I'll find links to things I never knew. A new one that I've found really great stories in recent months is Wired.com's Danger Room. You that, go the, me too. Me da, too. The Danger, Danger Room and Wired.com is great uh, for very interesting stories. Um, there's even a couple blogs out there that I find they're very interesting too. Uh, Jeff Ratt's uh, Look Up Jeff, Fellowship yeah. blog. Is, Jeff Ratt's a monster. He's very good. Um, and um, some of the other ones are just escaping me right now. But, but we try to look for a major mm-hmm. variety of uh, stories. Vigilant Citizen is a new one that I've just been turned on mm-hmm. to lately that uh, also has some very interesting looking at Illuminati symbolism to things that are going yeah. on in the news. Yeah, he had that. Didn't he recently do that thing on the, my um, head. Lady Gaga? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, in fact, uh, fascinating. Uh, getting ready for a show with about Aleister Crowley coming up, uh, Crowley, excuse me, and uh, uh, some of the stuff about the one eye exposed that they see in, in the movies, mm-hmm. there's some explanations for that that's going to be fodder for talking about. Wow. So you you got to find information in unexpected quarters, and if you're a student of the Word and a little bit of imagination, you can see God's hand and the adversary's hand over just about every kind of facet of things going on in society today. Mm-hmm. In our news. Okay, well, that pretty much uh, that's pretty much it. So, as far as the questions, and I think we're probably pretty close to time, huh? Yeah. yeah. Can we tell your listeners how to uh, find Future Quake? Please do. Okay, if uh, you go to futurequake.com, it's like Earthquake, but it's Future Quake. Uh, we have all of our shows, over five years of shows, archived there, free MP3s. You go into the past shows tab. We'll have other announcements on the front there as well, too, uh, on a variety of topics. You'll see some Chris White interviews in there. Uh, and, uh, Tom, you've got some other things you're involved with you can tell them Oh, about. gosh, where to where to begin? I've got a, several other ministries. Uh, regular listeners may be acquainted with many of them. Uh, of course, if you go to futurequake.com, and, and just all the shows there are mm-hmm. archived. Uh, you can also go to stopsleepparalysis.org. Um, you can go to versebyversebibleteaching.com. Uh, Chris and I were talking about, both Chris and I team teach there. We're on, in, in the book of Galatians right now. Um, we also, uh, uh, this is one, this is more Chris's ministry than mine, but I guess you might say I'm sort of affiliated with it. It's, uh, dvdtract.com. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, I, I guess I could go on and on and on, but. I feel like a sluggard. <laughs> you all got all these other websites, and we just when, have the lowly future quake. Seriously, though, uh, you guys have one of the best archives around there. There's so much good information. You get you get top quality guests on your show week after week, and it's uh, uh, really uh, tough chasing after that kind of format. You guys really set the bar pretty high. So everybody that's out there, go to futurequake.com, check it out. You will just be able to load up your iPod there. You can find them on iTunes for easy download of, of all those shows um, and to pick them out and download them really quick. So uh, check out Future Quake, and uh, it, that'll also be in the show notes at nowhere2runradio.com. Okay. So, all right. Let's do this joint show again sometime, yeah, okay? Yeah, great. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks again. Thanks, everybody. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's the end of our uh, time with uh, Chris White this week. Uh, this is Dr. Future. Uh, as I mentioned, Tom was predisposed during our recording of our little ending segment here. Um, we appreciate Chris White coming in at the very last second. Uh, Keith Thompson uh, was unavailable at the last minute. We were talking about his documentary the first half of the week. 
uh, called Aquarius, the Age of Evil. If you go to uh, KeithTruth.com, that's K-E-I-T-H Truth.com, uh, you can certainly get that documentary. Check it out on YouTube. Get a little taste of it. I think you'll find it interesting. Uh, but here's Merv to tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we've got to go. Come back tomorrow for tomorrow's Tremors. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. I don't work for the State Department. Bionic. Yeah. I've heard you don't work much at all. Oh, you're talking to the wrong people. I know. I know that's not true. Yeah. I, I take that back. Yeah, I don't technically that. I'm employed. You're right. I'm the deadbeat on society. Yep. So, anyway. The big drag. The big drag. That's what I am. The ball and chain <laughs> on American culture. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you today uh, for Future Quake. It's Friday today. And that means one thing, does it not, Mr. Bonick? It means Revelation 18 is what we discuss. For our new listeners, why do you say Revelation 18? Uh, because it is Friday. That has nothing to do with Revelation 18. What does Revelation 18 How do you know that refer? Revelation 18 isn't going to happen on a Friday? Well, you said, like, thank God it's Revelation 18. Is that like, thank God it's Friday? <laughs> Revelation 18 talks about how the kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth conspire together. And how they use pharmakia or sorcery by which to deceive the nations of the earth. Mm-hmm. And that principle, which has probably been in place since the tower, uh, explains a lot of the news that we cover on this mm-hmm. Friday show. Which uh, we, we cover the news, and I call it tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news. Mm-hmm. And we've got some news stories. Do you have any announcements or anything you need to mention? Uh, let's see. No. Okay. Well, let's just jump into some news. Would you like to begin with a news story? Uh, who went last time? I can't remember. Um, I'll, I'll go. Okay. I like this. I like this story. Okay. Um, I've only got nine stories here. So. Okay. Well, uh, you're you're in luck. Mine are very short. Judge orders life sentence to Florida Keys drug smuggler. Dot dot dot. Who worked for the U.S. State Department? Um, this is via the Key News. You know, Key West. Okay. An admitted drug smuggler who carried millions of dollars in hash oil and marijuana and the keels of sailboats through the Florida Keys will spend the rest of his life in prison, a federal judge ruled Monday. The life sentence of Jurgen Heinz Williams, also known as Jurgen Werthmann, uh, was the last chapter in a bizarre trial that harkened back to the day when Key Waters teamed with quote-unquote square grouper. Uh, prosecutors convinced a jury in January that Williams spearheaded a conspiracy to smuggle hash oil from Jamaica into Monroe County, then north into Canada, where it was distributed. The same jury acquitted two co-defendants, Morgan Lynch, owner of MD Custom Cycles in Key Largo, and Howard Bornstein, a Key Largo online seafood purveyor. 
Uh, a September 2009 trial for the three men ended in a hung jury, prompting, prompting a retrial that began January 4th. Williams surprised prosecutors when he took the stand in the latter trial and admitted he took part in the conspiracy, even correcting government witnesses who understated the scope of his operation. Some witnesses testified that there were a total of two or four loads of hash oil, but Williams testified that the true number was closer to seven. <clears throat> one witness testified that one drug run brought in about $1 million for the conspirators, but Williams said he made closer to $5.5 million in the venture. Williams also raised eyebrows when he admitted under oath to smuggling drugs, but did so he testified while acting as an operative of the U.S. State Department. He later fired his attorney, Joel, uh, Joel DeFabio of Coral Gables, for not arguing that point before the jurors. Hmm. So uh, something about working for the U.S. State Department he felt was uh, important for the jury to know about him smuggling drugs. Did he? Did I understand that? Another say that 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 he showed clear indication that he had initiated him doing the drug activity. Yeah, there was there there was some indications there that the State Department was involved with it all. And okay. he, I mean, he admitted it under oath and everything. and That he'd been directed to do it? Yeah, kind of. Okay, kind of. What do you mean, kind of? Well, I mean, I wasn't there. and the No, but I mean, but that's what the story... I want to make yeah. sure I understood that correctly. Yes, yes. I wonder if he works for Hoffman Aviation. Uh, you know, I was just chided by a, a Christian associate about this thing about legalizing drugs. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking... If we have our our government running drugs illegally mm -hmm. to support activities we wouldn't agree with, we have all this illegal activity going on because mm -hmm. drugs are underground. Mm -hmm. How, this will never get better unless sure. that that's taken away from them. Well, evil will abound until then. Well, you know, one of the interesting things that the recent WikiLeaks file seems to point out is that. All this heroin gets picked up, and it all disappears, and they don't say where it goes. But the exact same loads wind up in places like Canada and stuff. Like 3,500 pounds of heroin got snatched up in Afghanistan, and then six months later, 3,500 pounds of heroin get, you know, snatched up in Nova Scotia or something. Now, the only people I know of, I guess you could have illegal criminals operating in there having allegiances with tribes. Sure. But you've got government agencies, mm -hmm. CIA intelligence, and you've got defense contractors. Mm -hmm. well, Are those all candidates, basically? Yes. Um, there's a gentleman. We might... We might. Uh, I've got his book rolling around somewhere. Uh, Colonel Bo Greitz. He's like the oh, yeah. most most decorated guy of his generation. Or Wasn't whatever. he the guy who tried to get Eric Rudolph to give himself up when he was hiding in the woods? You know, the guy that was... It, I think it shot or blown up some abortion clinics. Might and he be. was hiding, and they sent him in to get him to come out. It could be. I don't know. But he wrote a book called The Nation Betrayed. Yeah. Uh, I remember reading it as like a 14-year-old going, whoa, what? Huh. I don't know about this. Yeah. Um, but I just ran across it here recently. Now is it starting to make a little more sense yeah. now from what we've... Yeah. And his, his, well, his central assertion is that people in the U.S. State Department uh, are running drugs. Okay. There, there, There's an element inside the State Department that uses their political and military connections to 
you know. Now, you see, I would understand the CIA. Not essentially a fake drug war. Because I hear the CIA accused of that a lot because mm-hmm. they do a lot of uh, on-the-ground operations covert yeah. that cost money. Mm-hmm. So they have to have money to do that. The State Department, I, I just don't see them as doing those kind of like guys in camo. Well, doing behind-the-scenes operations. What, why do they need to cash for? Well, it may it may be one of those things where it's like an organization within an organization, yeah. and uh, it's people doing, you know, just doing it for personal enrichment, po- pocket, pocketing yeah. the money. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, one of the things that I think I think it's even admitted, you know, uh, by the people themselves who did it is that the flying tigers there, uh, you know, uh, those for, great heroes. Yeah. They were flying opium for Chiang Kai-shek to help support him, okay. flying it all over the place, even after the war, even after World This has gone on for a long, long time, yeah. hasn't it? Mm-hmm. It's gone, whether it's like opium, the old opium wars, and the Dutch East India Company, all these kind of things. There's a lot of money to be made there. Drugs have defined a lot of mm-hmm. battles and mm-hmm. wars. And, and the thing is, with it illegal, none of that can stop. Sure. Legal drugs that would come in cheap. And, you know, neither one of you and I would ever, ever recommend anybody take those kind of drugs. No. We've spoken about them, how harmful they are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, I wouldn't want people. Now, I'm a teetotaler, okay? And I certainly yep. don't want people to get drunk, whatever their opinions are on that, to get mm-hmm. drunk. But it's still legal. Yep. But, I, you know, I certainly don't recommend people uh, abuse that, you know, or sure. take that drug. But the fact is, it just lets a criminal element do things that are incredibly Harmful to people. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Correct. that would be, what we just said, would be incredibly offensive to the average rank and file. Well, I'm sure. Christian in America, probably. Well, you know, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people who get really offended at a lot of things. And yeah. it's like, well, you kind of have to let the truth lead you where it, where it goes mm-hmm. and to account for data points. Mm-hmm. And if you can't do that, then I'm um, sorry. Step out of the culture and go back to the Bible. Yep. Well, I've got one. Uh, if you don't mind me sharing this with you. Yeah, go ahead. This is another one that sort of makes me sad. Um, Ergen Kainer, out as head of Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and the reason, one, reason I brought this up was we just, he, his name came up at the news last week. And somehow it came up and we said, you know, we haven't heard, because that, that, the board was meeting there at the seminary at Liberty Mm-hmm. about these allegations, what they said they knew for sure were wrong and erroneous, mm-hmm. and that these bloggers, there was somebody who was actually a Baptist seminarian student mm-hmm. and a Muslim student who both had found this hard data that what he said and what was the real facts were different, mm-hmm. and they said, well, we don't listen to people like that, you know, but mm-hmm. they said since the press reports have come out, we'll do a study, but, you know, we're confident in him. Well, um in fact, this, this story backs up. It says, last month, a uh, PFAW senior fellow, Peter Montgomery, wrote a piece for Alternet examining the allegations that Ergen Kainer, head of Liberty University's Baptist Theological Seminary, had exaggerated about his Muslim past. After 9-1-1, Kainer became a popular religious rights speaker, telling audiences how he'd been raised in Turkey to wage jihad against America before converting to Christianity and presenting himself as an expert on both Islam and Islamic terrorism. Much of that, as it turned out, was false. And now Liberty University has announced that when Kaner's contract is up at the end of this month, it will not be renewed and Kaner will no longer be head of the seminary, uh, though he will remain at LU as a professor. Uh, but, but the irony is 
he had done something bad enough not to be head of the seminary, but not so bad not to be professor. Yeah. Uh, it says, Liberty University said Friday, Ergen Kainer would no longer be dean of its seminary following an investigation into some of his claims about being raised as a Muslim. Kainer has signed a contract to be a member of the seminary's faculty next year, the university said in a statement Friday afternoon. Four members of Liberty Board of Trustees who conducted the investigation found that, quote, Dr. Cater has made factual statements that are self-contradictory, the university said. Now, what does that mean, self-contradictory? That means that he lied. But but it says that they were factual statements. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's all... How can they be factual and be contradictory? Well, it's all, it's all double-speak. Double I, I don't know how... If you say two... I mean, we live in a world of presumed logic and ordered logic by God... Mm-hmm. That if two things are real facts, they can't contradict each other. I mean, yeah. it's it's the new age world that believes that you can, you know, you can be A and B at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, instead A or B. So uh, there's a little wordsmithing here. It says the panel, however, basically basically supported Kainer's testimony of being a former Muslim who converted to Christianity. So I guess they're saying, well, at least there's one thing true about his testimony: a he was a Muslim and that he converted to Christianity. Mm-hmm. So they're they're trying to shine the positive light that there was one nugget of truth, yeah. In the in the Everything long testimony, else was a lie about him being well, raised, but he did convert to Christianity. They were self-contradictory facts. Oh, that's right, self-contradictory, factually self-contradictory. The, the, the contradictions came in quote matters such as dates, names, and places of residence. The LU statement said, Those although are pretty significant, it's well, not like one. Thing. Well, yeah, I'm going to make a... Like, a, which country he was living in? That's why I'll, I'll... Let me elaborate here. Although Liberty University did not provide any more details about the discrepancies, Kainer said in several speaking engagements in 2001 and later that he was raised in Turkey before coming to the United States as a teenager. He also said he was trained in Islamic Jihad, a term associated with terrorist activity, according to recordings made in 2001 of his comments at the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida, and Preston Wood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. However, his parents' divorce papers on file in a Columbus, Ohio courthouse indicate the family moved from Stockholm, Sweden, to the U.S. when Kainer was about four years old and continued to live in the Columbus area. So he was never actually in Turkey? Yeah. That's, well, you know, Sweden, Turkey. I could see where you could get those two confused. Could have been confused. Yeah. Kainer's father was a Muslim who taught to raise, sought to raise his children in his Islamic faith, although he only had part-time custody after the divorce, the documents indicate. Dr. Kainer has uh, cooperated with the board committee and has apologized for the discrepancies and misstatements that led to this review, the Liberty Statement said. The investigating committee, quote, found no evidence to suggest that Dr. Kainer uh, was not a Muslim who converted to Christianity as a, as a teenager. So that's their positive way. We couldn't find any evidence that could suggest he was not a Muslim that converted to Christianity. That's so. You know, I expect that out of like the secular world. I don't know why you put. I don't know why you put put so many of these large Christian institutions so high. As you know, we were talking on the phone recently about you know First John, where they talk about you know we know it's the last time because the Antichrist has come into the world, and now there are many Antichrists. And they have gone out from us. Yeah. That ought to tell you something. Second John talks about... I don't know. You've said you know, that. Yeah. And then Third John talks about it, too. Jude says... You're, you're right. They come out from us. Yeah. yeah. And then, yeah. and then you know, Paul yeah. even, you know, in Acts, given his final sort of... His final sermon to his, the, the brothers there, and I believe Ephesus, he's talking, and he says, 
you know, uh, there's going to be wolves. Like, yeah. they're not might be. Like, they're coming in now. I'm going to leave, and you're going to try and fight them, but you're only going to be partially successful, and they're coming in. So... Well, can I add a few more, just a sure, little sorry. closing thing? No, those are all my, important get points. Off my soapbox. That's the Bible yeah. you're sharing. Okay. Um, it said, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Dr. Kainer's con- current contractual term, this is their statement from the university, mm-hmm. con- contractual term as dean of the Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary expires June 30th, 2010. Dr. Kainer will no longer serve as dean of Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary. The university has offered, and Dr. Kaner has accepted, an employment contract for the 2010-2011 academic year. Dr. Kaner will remain on the faculty of Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary as a professor. Now, the, professor the, of what? I'm, Ethics. <laughs> well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I'd like to try to find a sympathetic look at this for Dr. Kaner. Uh, it may have been that in his zeal to want to serve, um, that he exaggerated some things. You know, I've exaggerated my life. I've said things that oh, even yeah, around church too. folk were, you know. Now, I didn't say that I know I'm willingly to limit I lie. from the stage over and over and over again, though. Yeah. You know. Well, and if I'm caught in it, I want to make it right. Now, however... Unless there's a professorship. I may say something in a way, I may have said something at some time in a way that might be more favorable to me than I thought. I'm just trying to say, you know, I'm not, I don't have an example because of mine, but where I may have done that and sort of left it vague, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not purposely, but I did that sort of, uh, in my zeal to spread information and maybe weren't completely clear on something that was said or not, or, you know, just accidentally I didn't have all the facts. But now I've never said something like, well, I was born in Luxembourg when I was born in Louisville. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, I'm not saying either is right. We need to be very circumspect, very, very careful with our choice of words, mm-hmm. very, very careful to, to make sure that in our haste, like, for example, on our show, I worry a lot of times we're we're a independently produced show. We're volunteers. We don't have any staff. We get this information. We get it. We read it. It's best good faith. We tell people, check your own facts. You know, there's, I'm sure there's stories that come along here that have some facts of theirs that aren't checked, but it's it, it's not done purposely. Mm-hmm. But the fact to say that I live somewhere and I and yep. it was actually somewhere else, that's not something where where it's like, well, that was a misunderstanding. And, and I find it interesting that whatever he did was bad enough that he couldn't serve as the head of the seminary. But it was okay but it was to be a professor. Yeah. I'm going to be the ethics professor. Yeah, I just yeah. don't... Uh, now, Not what the I, geography professor, because he doesn't know where Sweden and Turkey are. Well, l- l- let me let me just speculate for a minute, and mm-hmm. I want to make sure our audience knows this is just speculation. I don't know. But having seen other circumstances similar to this, okay, other things that have occurred, I uh, wasn't born yesterday, I wouldn't be surprised if this was a circumstance where um, things were getting real ugly, uh, and I and I know you don't know any information about that, no. so I don't want That's people all to know otherwise. Speculation. Uh, but um, that that probably things were going to get really really nasty and defensive, and it was going to ref- look bad for the university and him, and probably this position was negotiated. Hmm. Okay, if you're asking, I mean that just based upon other incidents like this that I've seen, they negotiated something to get him not to sue him or you know, and I'm I don't know, I'm just sort of saying based upon what I've seen it before, like it's probably the, what. It, could have been likely to happen. It happened. seems like the truthful position would be to, you know, kick him to the curb and say, sue us. 
you know, you misstated facts, and uh, we'd like to we'd like to let the court right. record show that you know we don't want to have any part of dishonesty. Right. So well, and I would think it's not just the board that should be apologized to, but it should be all the people he well, told. The Christian body at large. The yeah. Christian body and even the Muslim body. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was saying he was raised in the Islamic Jihad. Yeah. When in fact it appears he wasn't. Mm-hmm. So. You know, he's offended the Christian community and the Muslim community. And it would you would think as, you know, Liberty University... He may University, have offended Jesus, but I think, speaking plainly, he probably hasn't offended the quote-unquote Christian community because they want to... They, they like what he believes, so it's easy to, you yeah, know, have somebody easy know. to hate. I mean, I, I want to see restoration. Mm-hmm. I want restoration for him because uh, I've sinned, you know, many times. Sure. I've done wrong things. Many, many, But many I want to see times. restoration, but if we don't... Anyway, there's got to be some accountability for something that's significant, you know. And that you were talking about a major leader mm-hmm. that's a real high-profile leader, and also a very high-profile institution that considers themselves one of the main voices of the evangelicals in America. Well, and, they may consider themselves, and, and, and I do not. And they were the ones who did, you know, they had all the staff and people to do due diligence mm-hmm. when they considered him. And in fact, I gave them kudos for considering somebody like him because he came out of the box from the normal chain of people you would only pick for an executive position. Mm-hmm. He, he was sort of a different turn for liberty, and I thought that was good, but I presume that they would have done due diligence on these facts because they're very provocative claims he makes. And before you put an entire huge institution behind it, you'd want to check that out. You'd think so. And, you know, I mean, I heard him speak one time, and I was really, he was a very dynamic speaker. I was really impressed with what he had to say. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I feel extremely disappointed, at the same time knowing that I carry a lot of sin myself. But I'm, I'm really disappointed in the institutions and in the fact that they don't realize that there really needs to be apologies going around in a larger circle. Yeah, you know, well, to the people in society that they were directed to. Well, if you were a Baptist seminary, would you give an honorary doctorate to... Uh, a professed non-Christian, and that being Glenn Beck, right? I believe Liberty gave him an honorary doctorate. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I, please, if 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 that is incorrect, uh, somebody somebody sent an email to Future Quake and yeah, because you don't want to say a falsehood. Yeah, but I believe that I believe that I heard that correctly. That he made mention of that on. Well, on the news recently. Future, let us know, and and uh, we'll correct the record if that's if wrong. If that's incorrect, but he but did. If it's, but if it is true, then it needs to be made aware. Yes, uh, and and if that is true, I think that really speaks volumes as to what what the what is in the mind of the people running running uh, Liberty Baptist ethical considerations as far as a Christian seminary, mm-hmm. Christian university. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of facts I'm not privy to. I don't yeah. know, uh, but they said they wouldn't they wouldn't entertain any further questions. Mm-hmm. So th- th- that is going. You know, what does that look on a group when it says uh, we don't want to explain further? Now their argument may be, well, we don't want to cause any more, uh, you know, shame or other issue on Dr. Mm-hmm. Kaner, and I appreciate that. But but you offered him a. Position. They've not said that, yeah, but and they won't explain why. And I think they assume no one will hold them accountable for their actions. Hmm. And the only reason why I'm guessing, based upon, again, like I said, haven't seen these situations before, why they even held one of these group, one of these things, probably, you know, some major contributors said, look, this is looking really, really bad. You better do something. So they were. That's the way institutions like that normally work. Well, you know, when other people presented hard data out of these blogs, no action. 
No action at all. So then you have some newspapers pick it up. So word's going to get back to the newspapers through key individuals back to the university. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, then they come out with a statement, well, you know, we're not going to respond to any bloggers. But, you know, they need to apologize. This, doesn't this university need to apologize to those bloggers? There's a lot of apologies that need to go around. But, I mean, those, apo- the, the, those bloggers you somebody uncovered of lying, truth you to, yeah. that was covered up. Yeah, if you accuse somebody of lying or, or uh, throw their prima facie, throw their argument out, because you don't like what they say and it turns out to be correct. You owe those people an apology. Absolutely. And, you know, I consider them somewhat heroic figures. Sure. Be- uh, of course, yes. It, now, I don't it like it saying. that it made people have a black eye in the body. I don't like that. I don't like the people that were hurt and, you know, any kind of impact. Now, I don't know how much financial impact is going to be to his family. Now he's got another mm-hmm. professor position. So, you know, that was all done behind closed doors, whatever the arrangements. But, uh, you know, those guys actually... Open the truth. And I've got to think that pleases Jesus when the truth is is made known. You would think so. So, anyway, I'm sorry. We, we're, we're, we're close on our time, so you got something quick to share with yep. us. Schwarzenegger to speak at Bohemian Grove. Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger is scheduled to address a throng of rich and powerful men on Friday under the towering redwoods at the Bohemian Grove as the annual encampment along the Russian River in Monte Rio enters its final weekend. So that's we could go down there and hang out um, this Friday Saturday if you wanted to. Is it actually? Yeah, I think so. I thought it was already hell. I thought it was a week I, ago. Yeah, I thought it was. I, yeah, I, I some reason I thought it was like Father's Day weekend. Yeah, I thought, oh no, I thought it was last week. Oh well, uh, according to this, which was just posted yesterday, like okay. speaking Friday, uh, huh. no one other than Bohemian. Club members and their guests will hear the governor's speech, which is, like everything else that transpires during the 17-day midsummer enclave, done in absolute privacy. Plutocrats and power brokers, including former presidents, annually flock to the 2,700-acre wooded retreat where neither women other than uh, Grove employees nor outsiders of either gender are permitted. It's a private gentleman's club. Club spokesman Sam Singer said, people are coming to get away from the duties of daily life. They don't desire to be on the front page of the Press Democrat or the New York Times. In real life, they get there often enough, he said. So, okay. here you have it. They can do their cremation of care, their Dionysus worship, yep. sac- mock sacrifices. Yes, work, yeah. Just like we have like all Molech. our world leaders to do. Yes, work, worshiping Molech in its female form, female mm-hmm. owl form. No big deal. Well, we're about out of time, so I'll just stick with a quick one here, okay? okay. And a wrap up here. Um, New York Times and other media pushing for drugging water supply. Sweet. Uh, Big Think, a website that interviews scientists and experts in various fields, has begun a month-long series called Dangerous Ideas. And the first post uh, features a uh, drugging the public water supply. The expert they interviewed for this story is Jacob Apple, uh, or Appel, a a bioethicist and medical historian who has written in favor of adding lithium to the public water supply. I know we've mentioned this at various times, but it's still back in the news. Yeah, lithium, of course, is a... uh, Well, I'm sorry. Keep going. That's okay. Um, uh, He states clearly that uh, he believes lithium and other, quote, enhancers are beneficial additions to our public water supply, and any opposition is based on false assumptions that natural water is better. 
than artificially enhanced water. That's obviously malicious because lithium poisoning is a very, very big deal. Right. Yeah. He expanded on this claim in his 2009 uh, article in Huffington Post, and uh, he cites a Japanese study claiming that lithium reduces suicides. Yeah, it uh, also kills people. Right, and the New York Times has published a story admitting that drugs are currently in the public water supply. Uh, including anti-epileptic and anti-anxiety drugs. Don't have time for that. Mm-hmm. Got time for Merv, who can tell us how to how y'all can contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the shows, topics, or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. That's my anti-anxiety drug murder. And we might get all the contacts this week. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Come back next week. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake.